everyone, welcome to our special character profile for Stephen Reed. So special. Special character to our hearts, is Stephen. Okay. I, I still haven't got over his dad. I'm, I'm with Audrey. It, it, nobody else may be at this funeral whenever it happens. It might just be Audrey and us, but, but we'll be there. Like, that heads. sounds like a sad wartime um, fiction book. Audrey and us. <laughs> we are going to be celebrating the life of Corrie's Killer Canuck We are today. gathered here today <laughs> to celebrate the life of Uncle Stephen, who was taken from us. Far too quickly well, you know, by I think, the evil Peter Barlow. I think we're going to have to look at both sides of it. You know, was it Peter's fault? Should he have done it? I mean, there's, but I expect there's going to be a lot of That's chat nothing. with that in this week's podcast as well. But, you know, lots of people are going to be very happy that he's gone. I could have personally seen him running for a bit longer. And actually, it, I, I, I was a little bit peeved that at, the, at the event last week, um, the, the, the fan event at the, uh, the studios, Todd Boyce revealed that there was the possibility of this going on for another six months, but Coronation Street decided to, to cut it short because of fan reaction, apparently. Don't listen to the haters. That's all I can say. I... I mean, they were going to hate it anyway. Obviously, the feeling story and they're obviously watching went it for a lot they're moaning longer. about it. So what? It it did feel like there was a little more that we could have squeezed out of this. But I mean, well, it... maybe Todd just wanted a break because okay. I don't think anybody has appeared on Coronation Street as much as he has over the last twelve months. So we've got an awful lot to speak about today. Not just about his recent return, but also we'll be delving back into Cory history books to find out a bit more about his past and his previous appearances on the show. So um, I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to um, reminiscing about Stephen's full time on the show. And um, hopefully there's going to be something for, for, for you guys to learn if you weren't, if there's you weren't lots watching of, it There's lots then. of background for Stephen if you haven't been watching. Yeah, he's not just one year wonder. For a long time. So <laughs> yeah. let's get into it, shall we? The character profile of Stephen. He was born on the 6th of February 1957. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure that Audrey, being the good mum she, she is, she's got Christmas gifts and birthday gifts stashed away that she's never going to be given. Oh, tragic. Think of that, everybody. That's sad. Uh, he died on the 10th of October this year 2023 he his parents he had two sets he had audrey roberts and jeff masters who is biological parents yeah and joyce and malcolm reed who are his adoptive parents i want to know what the reed family over in canada are thinking about all this yeah i don't know i i'm imagining they're probably not still alive but they could don't be don't know anything about them i'm not sure that i can tell you a few things later on we've got some notes to read out about them but okay I, yeah, I don't know if they're Do, still alive. I wonder if they adopted any other children. Are all of they are they murderers as well? Is there something that <laughs> Joyce and Malcolm did? Yeah, maybe they bred them to be bad. Maybe there's like a, ga- a criminal gang of children in Canada running around. We do know that there is a <laughs> real... people over their heads with office uh, stationery. There is a real Stephen Reed who is Canadian and a criminal, so... Maybe well, yeah, well, every time... Stephen Reed, you know, I've been doing lots of Googling and stuff about him in the past year, obviously, and um, you have to type in Stephen Reed Coronation Street again. Get the one you want, let's just yeah. say that. He, he has a sibling. He does, doesn't he? Gail Rodwell, mm. his half-sister, and he was married to Gabrielle Reed in 1999. Not quite sure when that went to pot, but it definitely did <laughs> at some point. He first appeared on the 29th of January, 1996, and so far his last appearance is the 13th of October... No, that's not right, is it? Because he's appeared in dreams. Well, yeah, I don't, I'm not counting that. Because 13th of October was when he, you know, properly kicked, kicked the bucket. You said he died in the 10th of October 2023, but I think that was like in, in universe, that was when he died, because last week's episodes are all over two 
uh, two days. I'd rather he died. Well, we'll find out if we get to see his gravestone when his canonical death date is. And mm. If it's not Friday the thirteenth of October, then what are we even doing? Do you think we'll actually get to see his funeral? I've not looked at any no, spoilers or so. anything. But I will say that we um, one of the things we did when last time we went to Manchester was visit the florists that they used for the exterior shots of mm. um, Tracy's. Where she, where she trained, I forgot who. Yeah, yeah, Maggie Redmond. Maggie shop, Redmond shop. But they also do the real flowers for the show. And uh, we started talking to them and asking them questions. And at one point, they they really stopped talking to us because I think uh, we mentioned funeral flowers and they must literally have just done. Who's the last person that died? Um, it was... I've lost track already. Um, uh, Paul's friend. Oh, yeah, Shelley. So they, they definitely must have just done Shelley's flowers. Yeah. So maybe they know they, whether they Stephen Reed Stevens, gets a funeral. I don't know. It's going to be soon. Yeah. It's probably in the papers for next week if it's going to happen. Probably. I, I, I'd quite like to see Audrey there on her own. Maybe Peter shows up at the back of the church With or something. With his hands in his pockets. Yeah, looking um, a bit pensive. And... He appeared in ni- 297 episodes. I think that maybe they're going for 300. What, because with, that's why they're doing the flashbacks in there. Yeah. <laughs> would you call it a flashback or a ghost? He's not a ghost. Jeff no. Metcalf is a ghost. Yeah, maybe does. they can hang out together as a Halloween special in a couple of weeks, though. I love that. <laughs> That'd be so funny. Just, I mean, I can't remember when the last time was that... Um, that Jeff appeared. Has he had? A, has he? Has he shown his face this year, or was it last year? I don't know. But I think I mean, getting those even, two together. We've even had Justin Rutherford turn up. Oh yeah, Justin Rutherford did turn up this week in the show, didn't they? But he's not dead. He's not dead. He's just in prison. Mm. He character uh, Stephen Reed was played. Not Justin Rutherford by Todd Boyce. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's have a look at um, Todd first. So. Todd Boyce, the actor. Todd Boyce, the actor, who is not Canadian. He's an international man of mystery, isn't he? Because nobody he's really been knows all over the place. Nobody where really knows where he's, he's from. No, except everybody he's knows he's everywhere. not from Canada. He's from everywhere um, and nowhere all at once. <laughs> he's a, he, yeah, he's an international man of mystery. Um, so he was actually born in America. Um, oh no, he wasn't. Yes, in in Columbus, Ohio. That's America, isn't it? He had an oh, American yeah. dad and an English mum. Columbus, Ohio, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they moved to Germany and Brazil when he was younger, and they ended up they, settling in Sydney. I bet they did those separately, though. You make it sound like they moved simultaneously to Germany and Brazil. No, his parents were like to go. This commute. They were travelling all over the this place. This commute's killing me. I think we've got to quit our jobs in Brazil. Australia <laughs> is where he ended up growing up, though. And he you like watched Coronation Street when he was on there because we know. Corrie is big in Australia as well, so he, he, he's he been speaking, you know, he's obviously done lots of interviews recently, and one of the things he was saying was, oh, I, it's like I've stepped inside my TV when I was cast as Stephen Reed. So he, he watched the show, he knew it. Um, he trained as an actor at Australia's National Institute of Dramatic Arts in Sydney, and his TV debut was in another soap opera called The Restless Years, which is an Australian soap opera, maybe not as famous as Home and Away or Neighbours, but um, I like how he's always had... Soap in his veins. Although if that happens Excellent. to you, you might want to uh, get yourself checked out of the hospital because... Um, Phone up the Guinness Book of World Records, you might be in for a certificate. Soap in your veins, that's what Donald Trump thinks fix COVID, Don't isn't it? Don't even go there. <laughs> so he ended up moving to London in 1989 and carried on acting in British and Australian productions, including the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. I that. Yeah. And The Delinquents, which also starred Kylie Minogue. So he's been on screen with Kylie Minogue, everybody. These, these Australians... And I think Nicole Kidman he's been in something with. Yeah, they're all just a big acting mafia. 
The same yeah. as Canadians. They all they have a gang of them, and they they all pretend to be Americans. <laughs> <laughs> um, so eventually, he was cast as Stephen Reed in 1995 before appearing on Coronation Street at the end of the following January. So Gemma, do you want to run down some of his backstory and say before he even yeah, turned up on Coronation Street, what was Stephen getting? Up Malcolm to? and Joyce, shall we? Yeah. So so in 1956, Audrey gets pregnant she's 16 i can't believe she had the gall to, to slag sarah off for her teen pregnancy i don't know whether she i think she was when sarah lou got pregnant i can't remember whether how supportive audrey was but um if i she, think she was like oh it doesn't matter she, did she give her a slap i don't remember i don't remember i, don't remember. I think she's kind of like you stupid stupid girl look what's yeah, happened to me so. and now you've just gone down the same route i have yeah but she's i would say audrey's made a good life for herself mayoress yeah. Oh, wife of the mayor. She had a detached house. Can't see Sarah Louise becoming mayor. Always semi detached. Um, I know she's got damp, but it's okay. <laughs> so um, anyways, she she was bought. She was pregnant at sixteen. She was in a relationship with her childhood sweetheart Jeff Masters, and then in nineteen fifty seven, Stephen was born, and Audrey gets forced by her dad to give him away to their neighbours, Malcolm and Joyce Reed. Shameful, shameful teen pregnancy. Um, and so she plans to get him back. By getting you've written another man pregnant, which I think would be cool, but and equality. Notes that you okay. know what I mean. Get, she wants to get pregnant again. Yeah, and then From marry man. marry this man, and then have a stable family, and then get get Stephen. So she she gets um Ted Page, who you know that doesn't work out, but we'll talk. That's a story there's for more time. to come about um, Ted later. Yeah, she she settles for for him. It, it's Norman's best friend. Mm. Yeah, um, she she's got a crush on this guy called Norman. And he, she, he, he's not interested in Audrey, so she makes do. With she knows what she wants out of life. Crush, not necessarily the most important bit. Having another baby, and the other baby back is what she wants. Yeah. So imagine a different world where this worked out. Mm. So Ted Page proposes to Audrey, but then she decides to turn him down because he's actually a bit of a drag. <laughs> and isn't he Voldemort? He, um, yes, yeah, he, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 he's not Voldemort. Who is he then? Ted Page, the actor who played him, Michael Byrne, was it? Yeah, he ended up playing uh, Grindelwald. Oh, Grindelwald, you don't want him not, either. Not in the Fantastic Beasts film, in the actual Harry Potter film. Yeah, but so... I'm sure he didn't look quite like him in 1957. I don't know. But she, she this uh, her plan goes to pop, and he goes to army camp. Well, the thing with Ted, obviously, is that he later turns out to be gay, but um, I don't... I don't know whether um, that was that was known back then, and that's why Audrey didn't decide to boring. stay with him. So, so he doesn't realise that she's pregnant, and it's Gail that she's pregnant with. So, one part of the plan worked, but probably the the worst part of the plan to go through without the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. So she's got a kid. <laughs> He's got Just, another kid. She hasn't got Stephen back, and, and Audrey's she hasn't dad. Got a man to bring her up. Audrey's dad is like, what is going on here now? We got rid of one of your problems, I mean children, and now you've got another one. Well, you, you're out on your ear. Because she decides she wants to keep it. Mm. The, the lovely baby, Gail. Lovely Gail. So in the late 50s and early 60s, um, Gail and Stephen, as children, regularly play with each other yeah, cause they're at the Reeds, the Reeds' house. Yeah, the Reeds still, aren't in Canada at this point. They're, they're just, you know, they live in the vicinity. There's quite a few years where they're young kids together not knowing that they're related to one another mm. because, um, you know, I don't know when Gail was born, but... Uh, 57. 57. Oh, no, no, so Stephen was 57, yeah, exactly. so Gail must have been 58, 59. I can't remember. And then, you know, in 1962, that's when the Reeds moved to Canada, so there was that year, you know, 
three three or four years yeah. where they were. Little did they know. Oh. So, Stephen goes to Canada with his, with his adoptive mum and dad. And does he know that he's adopted? I'm not sure. I don't probably. Well, um, in Canada, he goes to college in Toronto. And he... <laughs> He plays guitar and he sings in a band. Can you imagine that? I, I, I can't imagine any of this. What kind of music so, do you think? Stephen Reed, as he is now, you know, the kind of uptight businessman, um, schemer, murderer, um, yeah. very money-oriented and everything. He's playing guitar, singing in a band. I can't believe Why it. Why didn't we see any of this on his return? He could have smashed someone over the head with a guitar or something. Yeah. He was in a minor league ice hockey team over in Toronto as well. Apparently, apparently he wanted to be a figure skater. All of this, he, he told Alma, and I think it was maybe on his first appearance. Oh, no, sorry, he wasn't telling Alma. He was telling Gail on his first appearance. And it's like... Obviously, back then, when he, when he first came into it, they didn't have a plan of what sort of person Stephen was going to eventually end up being. And it's like, Canadian, um, he's been growing up in Canada, what should we have him do? Ice hockey? Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah, the uh, Canadians, uh, uh, Alanis Morissette, yeah, playing a guitar. Yeah. Absolutely. He's not yeah. going to be, he's not going to still be in the programme in 30 years' time. We can say whatever we like about him. Well, 1975 was probably around the time he was going to, to uni, Mm-hmm. Um, so so I just quickly looked up what the biggest bands were around that time um, internationally I'm not really sure but uh, Pink Floyd Queen yeah. what an inspiration Fleetwood Mac Led Zeppelin do you think he um, fancied himself as an Elton John kind of guy maybe maybe don't well, know he he says uh, he, 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 yeah, I just he really liked, liked to music, imagine he liked his sport. Who he, when he was in his bedroom in in Canada all those years ago, with his hands, you know, resting resting on his pillow, thinking, "I want to be like this guy when I grow up." What was he listening to? <laughs> I well, I think he was more into the sport. I, I just don't can't see any of this with him now. He he was telling Gail he wanted to be a figure skater, but he couldn't find a partner, which is pretty sad. Um, well, that's, anyway, yeah, that is tragic. Gave it all up for business. So in 1988, he gets involved in a serious car crash and Audrey has to go back to Canada to see him. And then when she returns to Weatherfield, this is when Gail finds out for the first time that she's got this half-brother that she never knew she had. Mm. And uh, Audrey said, I didn't tell you because I didn't want you to think I was a slag. And Gail's like, understandable, yeah. mum, you great big harlot. <laughs> So I I love this. This this is this is a great bit of backstory for a character. Um, it's I don't know whether how often it is that characters get this much development, but I suppose it is because Audrey had been in the show by this point, what ten fifteen years or so, and this revelation about having her having a secret kid. It's I suppose it's a bit like you know, Mary. Who else had secret kids in Coronation Street? I can't remember. Well, I remember but, one point I thought that Claudia was going to reveal that she had a, a child when she was younger because she mm. said she got in trouble, which is the colloquialism oh, yeah, that was oh, often used. Because a lot, the, the thing is about it is that unmarried mothers, in especially in the well in the sixties and um, around that time, were treated very badly, and I'm surprised she didn't get chucked into a, an yeah, does asylum. It, does it like tell us anything about what Audrey was like back then, or is that no. that's just the way things were? No, it doesn't. Su- what do you mean, teach us about what Audrey was like? She's like a girl of, of any age where. She wanted to sleep with a boy, but somehow that's not 
Okay, well, she, she but clearly, when the guy does it, it's fine. She clearly didn't want to lose Stephen. It was her controlling parents that made her. The fact that she then went and dropped her drawers for Ted Page, Michael, this, basically the, the, the year plan. later. Well, it, well yeah, so she was a schemer then, but I, I think Audrey she was, was all... 17. She, she, she could be a scheming 17-year-old. She she knew what men wanted. She knew what no, she wanted. No, 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 no. Don't even go down this path about about that, no. Why? She's just a normal teenager. She was just born in a really horrible time when people weren't tolerant. Yeah, but... the And also, think about the fact that contraception was not probably even spoken about. My my nan would have had a, a, a baby around a similar time. She didn't even know how pregnant... She thought she was going to split open at the belly button to give birth to my dad because <laughs> she didn't know anything about it. I would imagine that Audrey would be a bit more savvy than that. Why? It's not she... common sense. You have to be taught these things. The, the, the midwife literally said to my my nan, "It goes out the way it came in." <laughs> it's not. It's just because you think it's common sense doesn't mean that she would have known all of this stuff. Yeah, well, especially I... if her parents were really strict and you know forced her to give up her baby. Who knows what went on? Mm. I think it, I feel really sorry for all these girls who got caught in this horrible nasty puritanical system of Mm. Uh, it's interesting what we've seen in the last week or so of Audrey being made to feel guilty about abandoning Stephen though because she obviously carries it well she doesn't fit she wasn't made to feel guilty she obviously carries guilt well Stephen was kind of rubbing it in a little bit wasn't he I don't remember um so you didn't do anything wrong what do you mean I I, I, and now that (laughs) he that she that he's dead we haven't seen loads of Audrey this week in, since since he got splattered, but she's definitely having regrets. He's been part of her life for probably about half of his life because what what is he? Let's say, early sixties maybe, and she's she's known him for for thirty years now. But those kind of formative childhood years, I, I it's, well, so, okay, it's so listen. sad to think that you you've missed so much of this your is... kid's life, and she and when she tried to get him back by going out with Ted and getting pregnant again as well. Yeah. Now, what are you going to say? I, I, there's nothing you can say. Okay, well, I, I won't. Um, I, I didn't. I must have seen the episodes. I imagine when um this was all coming out, but not mean? for a very what long time. In, in the late eighties, when Gail finds out about her about having a brother. So can I just check? Would this not have been the time that, as an audience on Coronation Street, we found out too? Yes. So, yeah. so what happened? Audrey just went away and came back and went, "Girl, you've got a brother." Yeah, pretty much. So, so that was a, we. Did we know that she'd gone? Um, yes, I think we, I think the audience were told that. I was having a look back on Coropedia the other day, and I couldn't figure it out completely. But she she went away, and she was trying to hide from other people where she went. But um, but okay. obviously, Alf so and Gail, and yeah, I think a little bit of mystery mm-hmm. about what was going on there. Um, I don't think it's uncommon, uh, especially in soaps of this era, to have secret children. I mean, it's more. It makes more sense now for it, for it to be a man who's got a secret child because he may have conceived a child and not even known. Mm. Women don't really have that problem. They always mm. know when they've had a baby. Um, so, uh, the idea that women have secret babies, I think, is uh, something that's not going to happen as much in soaps because there's all this stigma and shame surrounding why a woman would have had to have hidden the fact that she had a baby. Mm. And uh, you know, she. Looking back at Audrey's life, it's she. She didn't really. She still had a teen pregnancy and kept 
the baby. So it yeah. wouldn't have really impacted her. I don't. I don't see how it would have impacted her life if she kept Stephen and raised him from sixteen instead of keeping Gail and raising her from seventeen. I suppose if Audrey had been able to keep Stephen first, Gail potentially would not born. exist. Exactly. So Gail's probably got to be very. Gail, very relieved and pleased with the fact that her mum gave up her first child. Gail owes her life. Isn't this ironic? Gail owes her life to the social stigma around teen pregnancy. Yet yeah. when Sarah had her baby when she was a teenager, she was all judgmental. <laughs> Think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, when when this was all going on, I, I was watching a few clips of it the other day. And you see um, Audrey come back and she's got photo albums from Canada and she's showing it to Elmore, I think it is. I can't remember. Or maybe it's Gail. And there is a picture of Stephen, not played by Todd Boyce, of course, because he didn't get cast for another seven years or so. But OG Stephen in a photo is this guy with very brown hair. Still quite a handsome looking man, but uh, unknown actor. I don't think he was credited. So there are actually, I suppose you could say that Todd, Boyd, Todd Boyce is the second Stephen Reed. Um, it was a really blurry picture I saw. It also had a picture picture of um Malcolm Reed as well his his adoptive dad um which was also it seemed it's really difficult to tell from the photo but it seemed like that was played by a different character uh, actor sorry than the guy who later went on to play Malcolm Reed which was Shane Rimmer who and I'd forgotten this fact also played Joe Donnelly in the 60s yeah that's true there we go Yes, yeah, one of the first. Stephen Reed's dad was played by an actor who also played a murderer on the Coronation Street. The first murderer Street. on Coronation Street, Joe Janelli. Is he not the first murderer? Yeah, I think you're right. I think maybe he is. Yeah. We're just uncovering all the facts today, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so you can't blame Stephen, really. He was brought up by. It was the, the clues were there from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, Malcolm Reed ends up coming into the program for a bit and kind of puts um, Al's nose out of joint because. He thinks that Audrey is having a secret affair with Malcolm. Oh, hang on. Where, where are you reading something. this? Nothing. It's, it's from my head. I'm allowed to make things up. I remember. I've well, so it Stephen. Down. Stephen. Okay. Yeah, Malcolm came into the show. Oh, Malcolm. Yeah, Malcolm came into the show in the late eighties. Okay. Uh, played by Shane Rimmer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and Alf got his nose put out of joint. So, I did. I did feel sorry for him with all this because he, who? Uh, Alf, okay. um, finding out that your wife and I think they were married at this point has got a secret child and this whole other history that you had no idea about, and suddenly okay. there was somebody new in your life. That's gonna that's gonna ruffle some feathers, especially with somebody the likes of Alf who just kind of wanted an easy life, didn't they? All right, I'm going to cancel the reveal I was going to... (laughs) (laughs) No, Um, I know what you mean. Anyway, so that that was all pre-Stephen Reed. So he had a huge, huge history building up to him. I mean, we've... Well, I mean, Audrey and Gail, uh, the cast list was very small. Mm. And uh, so they were significant characters and he's brought in as a, you know, a link between these two. Mm. Mm. And Canadian, no less. And Coronation Street has long had a history with um, all things Canadian, haven't they? They were part like to of, dabble. Part of it was to try and get them to show it on CBC, I think. And it like worked. Where they had Jim McDonald with you his um, Toronto Blue Jays Suckers. top. And, uh, and you everything fell like for that. it. But um, yeah, Curry, <laughs> Curry and Canada have definitely got a... They're, they're quite I a like special that. relationship. I really, really like that. I think People it's are always very, going off to Canada. I think it's very sweet. Yeah. And um, I, I hope that Canadians take the the fact that we turned their biggest Corrie export into a murderer as, as, you know, like a compliment. Yeah, exactly. So, 1996 was the first time that Stephen Reed actually appeared, played by Todd Boyce on the street. Um, He only did 22 episodes that year, um, which was a 
couple of weeks, three weeks in January, February of 96. And then from June to early September, he was in it on and off as well. So it was really quite a brief appearance. Um, and when we were watching back over 1996 on the DVDs a few years ago, it, it was a bit of a slow year. I, d I don't know whether you remember, but this was the year before Brian Park came in as producer and shook things up because everything was feeling a little bit sedate on Coronation Street. And I won't lie, um, you know, I don't like business stories. And it wasn't all business that year. But having a story about some smooth businessman coming in and talking about contracts and whatnot with Mike, I think I remember at the time... I didn't really find that interesting. And even we've watched through these years, or I've watched through these years on Classic Coronation Street on ITV. That was all before Stephen came back into the show last year. And I've barely got any memory of it. I kind of blanked it from my head. The story wasn't relevant to me particularly, but I'd kind of like to go back and watch them again now, just to see, now I know what older Stephen is like I'd love to be able to go back and see more of younger Stephen but what I do know of him was that he was he was very handsome very suave very sophisticated wasn't he he was Look, um a bit yeah. of a heartthrob this is the thing is the internet has kind of warped everyone's perception of how we used to react to people from a different country and how much information there was about different countries um it wasn't a lot, was it? Unless you had family or you travelled there, every country was kind of like this exotic, yeah, amazing right, place. And you could only really, like... You, if you wanted to learn about Canada in 1996, you probably would have had to have gone to the library and got a book, probably with a picture of a moose on the front. <laughs> <laughs> so so anybody coming from a different country is exotic and foreign and cool and interesting. Yeah. Especially in the 90s, I think we were really obsessed, especially with America and... Uh, I'm sorry, Canadians, but we do kind of think of... Bundle you all together. ...of Canada as just being like a slightly, I don't know, cooler, more rural, maybe, <laughs> America. We're very confused. We know that you it's have even a real royal country family. anyway. But you know what I mean? Like, we don't... Uh, we, uh, Canada is not a place that we really think about that much. No. But... Stephen coming from Canada um, would have been really cool and interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think and, so. Uh, these and days it's hard to imagine what, what that was like, but it really was incredibly exotic. Yeah. And any country that isn't, you know, in the Great <laughs> British but I, I definitely think that Todd Boyce was cast partly for his looks as well, because I mean, the, lots no of pictures of it. him have been on online surfacing he's, over the yeah. last few weeks as, and now he's he's made his exit and he, and he was there like you know women dropping at his feet especially Alma in he's got great years. cheekbones he's got beautiful um a beautiful face he's very tall mm. he's got sandy hair he's very physically imposing mm. yeah. He's, yeah great <laughs> <laughs> um, so his first appearance was um, he, he made he had a location shoot for his first appearance. It was at Manchester Airport where Audrey He's went to go and meet. He's got bad history with airports now. I know. Yeah, almost his final scene and his first scene kind of well, nicely bookended. It was. Um, so um, he's there. He comes over to Weatherfield on a business trip representing this um, business called K-Beck Clothing. I don't know exactly what the cast was like in 1996, but I'm going to guess that Stephen was markedly different looking from everybody else, given how tall he was and how blonde and kind of really sort of well, Hollywood-ish. I think that still back then, and it's still the case in a way, but maybe not so much, back then the cast were a lot 
a lot less preened and you know they were a lot, lot more per person next door sort of yeah. looking um and a lot of to... you know i'm gonna say a lot of a lot of, you probably will notice this if you really think about it but a lot of the male actors on Corey are a similar height to the female actors who are all fairly average sized so there aren't very many incredibly tall men on coronation street and that's just like a showbiz thing in general because i think the people that do the cameras don't like zooming out too much. <laughs> I so really, much effort. Honestly, if you look at if you look at famous men, they're all they're all there are a far more amount of sort of averagely heighted men who are famous. Yeah. Well, I'm just turning around now and we're looking at a picture of me next to Chris Gascoigne and we're, similar we're pretty height. pretty much the I'm same. I'm going to tell you that you, yeah, you are a and very I'm similar. I'm not the tallest. I told you you're you Hollywood know. sized. <laughs> That's a dinky. Dinky Minky. You're not dinky, it's just normal human being size. So anyway, he came over, he had this company called K-Beck, and he was looking for an English base of operations. Um, So his first appearance is when Audrey meets him at the airport, the the, the pair head home, and this is where he meets Gail and Alf for the first time. And Alf had been a little bit um, reserved about this whole thing. This 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 swish guy coming into his life. As I said, he was you know he was getting on a bit. He didn't need a whole change to his family. He was very wary of him, and he was as British as they come. Wasn't I was help say, as well. I think doing that and Johnny Foreigner coming in and saying, "Hey, I'm part of your family." I, I yeah. don't know whether Alf would have really liked that, but to be fair, because Stephen was such a charmer, he was able to um, convince Alf that he's not such a bad one before probably the end of their first scene together. I probably painted an incredibly rosy image of how accepting and and uh, excited British people were about foreigners we weren't all in, the ni- in the 90s but yeah there's a great deal of suspicion about <laughs> foreign people as well which could be unpleasant I'm if you think about it quite, quite a decent chunk of Coronation Street's villains are either foreign or scouse yeah, or well, they're definitely not from, or they're, or they're from London. Yeah. They're not from Weatherfield. Weatherfield people are generally decent and good and don't try to kill people unless you're Peter Bartlett and you run somebody over with a car. Um, so um, we also, we, I, I, I rewatched the other day, or watched for the first time, I don't know, his first scene with Gail and they're sitting at the dining table together. Audrey and Alf have gone upstairs and they're, they're kind of hesitant in their first scenes. Obviously Gail, however old she was back then, 30, let's say, um, is meeting this person who she's been told is her brother, and I can't, I could never, I couldn't imagine I would being, having a family happen. member dropped into my life. I mean, you don't have any siblings, no. do you? So well, I, I suppose you're on the in the same, um, the same as, as Gail in that sense. Whereas, like, I've got a sister, I don't, I don't need anyone else, thank you. So they're there sitting and talking, and I think Stephen knows what Gail's like, which is a bit of a, a bit of a flighty madu and a bit like eccentric in a way. Gail knows what her mum is like. And I think over the course of that conversation at the dinner table, they realise that neither of the other, well, that neither of them are like Audrey themselves. I think both of them were a little bit nervous that their sibling would be a bit of a chip off the old block with Audrey. And, I thought and you said Gail and Audrey are. were similar. No, 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 they're not. They're not similar. Mm. And, and and Stephen and Gail were pleased to find out that their sibling is not like Audrey. So they they very quickly got on like oh, a house just a on lot fire. of Audrey slander going on. <laughs> I know there really is, isn't there? Just I just love Audrey. Audrey. I just love how un- unapologetically like flighty she's been her whole life. I know, and she's still going. She's still yeah going against the grain. There's, there's a lot of a lot of Audrey hate want, online Audrey. this week. Do what you want. So Alma meets Stephen um, within the first few episodes as well. So she Alma is, is Alma is Alma Sedgwick. Uh, she was. 
course. then, I think. Is that Gail's, Gail's really good friend? Yeah, and business partner. They worked at the cafe yep. together, didn't that's they? That's right. It's, she, Alma, hired Gail. Yes. Yeah, that's right. So she meets Stephen, immediately falls head over heels in, well, not in love with him. Okay. she Her, her head is turned, shall we say. Oh, no, she was, I think... I think she was married to Mike. Yes, she was. She was married to Mike at this time. Of course, this is in the mid-90s. Um, and Mike is in, very encouraging of her. And he just basically says, look, the more that you get him on your side, use whatever feminine wiles you want, the better it is for our business. And there's a little bit Why? later... Because, if, because 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 Stephen wants a, a British base of operations, yeah. so she, she so Mike's like, yeah, you reel him in, So, love. yeah, just, just I'm just trying to get it, tease it from you. Thanks. Mike owns the factory, the factory. that makes clothing yeah and so the fact that that i mean it seems obvious doesn't it i don't i, I think Stephen when, comes in going i've got a clothing company if you know anyone who likes clothes and- i think when <laughs> Stephen came in mike didn't have a factory at that point i think um that was when he had the um the garage do you remember that, okay. that don brennan he ended up um selling to a, a ridiculous price but he was obviously had a whole life in the rag trade so having somebody who's coming in looking for a British person to do business with Mike's uh, eyes you know, I know lit up what, what I can do here yeah like so Mike's encouraging Alma to spend time with Stephen and as they do they she really starts falling for him um and she could see him now yeah so they're in heaven together now no, no, you wait. You wait to see how it goes, Gemma. It doesn't end up well. I'll tell you that. So the the factory at that point, um, Steve was um, conducting business out of there, and I always find this a funny little, um, little little side note in Steve McDonald's uh, back history. But he had a t-shirt business called Done to a T, where he was. It was him so and 90s. Vicky just printing these. Yeah, very very nineties giant logo t-shirts and he tries to get Stephen to agree to work with them but Stephen's associate Carrie who come, who's come over from uh, Canada with him finds out that Steve's biggest ever order with for done to a tea was only ever achieved by working with Mike so so she's like well why don't we just work with Mike then so he gets the contract and Stephen is pretty much left out in the cold and I think Steve done is. to a tea yeah falls within the next year or two so Mike is now working with Stephen Reed. Alma, meanwhile, is busy making a pass at him in the hotel room, which he rebuffs. Oh. Leads, leads him on, reels him in, shoves him away, um, and she scurries off. He should have. He should have had. A, um, he should have done that when Elaine was um, chasing around him, shouldn't he? Imagine a Where's, parallel Where are his powers of dissuasion now? Where Alma and Stephen had a baby. Um, what would is there any like? is there any moment where there was a time that Alma was away from the show long enough to have had a baby secretly? I don't think there was. Because I'm still gunning for Stephen's secret child to appear on <laughs> Coronation Street. There's no reason why we couldn't have one of Stephen's wild oats turn up. I don't. I don't to think claim it's the, the Platt family fortune. Going to happen? <sighs> why not? If I'm <laughs> right. Listen, Does Corey, he know about this child? Do you because need, he hasn't left her any money in the will. Do you need a new producer at any point? I will do it because I've got ideas. <laughs> the fact that they've put an end to this Stephen Reed story early, I no. don't think they're looking for anyone that's got plenty of ideas well, how what? to keep his legacy running. One of my selling points, one of my main selling points as producer during my interview is that I don't care about ratings. <laughs> <laughs> I just did it for you myself. You just want to watch something that you're going to, yeah, exactly. you want to enjoy watching. I say, make it for yourself 
and then the viewers come from that. <laughs> so is that not how that was works? that was the first we saw of Stephen's first stint. Telling mm. Alma, go away. I don't fancy you. I just kind of like the I attention. I think your collar's maybe. stupid. Yes, and he comes back later in the year to England to inspect the factory. So Mike's set up now. He's producing Quebec stuff. The problem is he's actually overproducing in order to sell the extras behind Quebec's back. So he's doing a little bit of counterfeiting, is Mike. Um, so he's like, oh my god. Um, Alma, meanwhile, is trying to just avoid Stephen after all, you know, what happened the last time. Stephen kind of chases down Alma and says, look, I just want to, just want to be friends. And Alma says, well, we don't this have isn't, isn't going to work. I'm, I just fancy you. I'm going to have to fess up to Mike what happened before. I'm going to have to explain to him why I'm trying to dodge this guy that I was hanging around with an awful lot. Mike, on being told... Sorry, husband, I made an affair at your business no, partner. No, I made a pass. I made a, I made a pass, sorry, at your business partner. Mike's reaction is just to laugh at her and say, she's just, just a middle-aged crush. How demeaning would that be? You've just kind of built yourself up to confess something that you had thought is, you know, what, tantamount to cheating on your husband and he just finds it hilarious because oh, of course he wouldn't be interested in you you, you dowdy old thing i know <laughs> so rude so my, alma is fuming that mike doesn't care about well this, this was just mike and alma all through and through wasn't it he didn't care about well, no, well he, he did he, he did but... his, he had a very surface level kind of opinion of her as a person yeah he, um, but that was the same with everybody. He, I don't think he, he was quite shallow, really, wasn't he? Mm. But he, he, he thought that obviously his way was best, and well, he so thought confident. that she was just the woman. Yeah, his his confidence was it exuded wasn't... so much that it just meant that everybody else clearly you're not up to not well, up to me. Yeah, and he's like, well, Stephen can't compete with me. I'm like Baldwin. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so. Um, Stephen inspects the factory, finds the work is fairly shoddy there, so Mike has to push the girls to, to up, up the quality of the, of the sweatshirt making, whatever it is they were doing. Stephen eventually passes, they go back to Canada. Passes back again kids, yeah. by the end of the year. You know, not, not that passes. Back again by the end of the year, so he's got three stints in 1996. It must have felt like, ooh, he's back again. So he offers to take the Platts to Canada this time. Why? So Why Gail not? and Martin and, and Sarah Louise and Nick and, and David. Right. But Gail's like, no, sorry, Nick here, your nephew has just returned from running away. I don't know if you remember Nick had a bit of a bit of a running away. No 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 this wasn't was this wasn't Leanne. This I don't was, remember this. This was pre I think this is Warren Jackson Nick. Um the original you know the original one. Pre you, you shake your head. <laughs> so anyway he's yeah he's just run away and Gail's like no my son has just um, run away. He's not having a treat going to Canada. Sorry. But eventually Martin convinces Gail that they should go because maybe family bonding could do Nick good and stop him wanting to run away again. Well, imagine if he finds a whole new world of, of things to aspire to. Like he, he thought the world was just like Weatherfield all over the place and mm. there was no way to hope or dream for anything greater. Then he goes to Canada and well, he, he sees... He came back looking like Adam Rickett. So yeah. it definitely did him some good. You certainly like, found the gyms there. I could do ice hockey. I could 
Maple syrup. <laughs> uh, I, I think he stayed away from the maple syrup looking about what he looked like when he got back. That's just a joke, anyway, Canadians. I know there's a lot more to you. Anyway, so they, they, they're they <laughs> all going to go off to Canada. But before they go, Stephen also asks Deirdre out on a date. And I get I'd completely forgotten that Stephen had been sniffing around Deirdre a little bit. Alma's well jealous of this. Mm. Um, and Stephen says, well, none of your business. I'll ask whoever I want out on a date. Bye. I'm off to Canada. Does she go out with him? Um... I don't, I don't, I think she might do well, when he comes back the next comes time. Of it, it? No, nothing comes of it, but that does kind of make me think, you know, parallel universe, what if Stephen and Deirdre had a thing? Because this was post Samir, so she's, oh. um, she's mourning him still, but it's pre John Lindsay. So, you know, maybe if she'd have ended up making things serious with, uh, How... with Stephen Reed, she'd have never got sent to prison. So this was after Mike and, and Ken, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so my, my, how badly did Mike and Ken screw this woman up that she's like, anyone but someone from England. I need a man who's from any country but this one because they're all dogs. I think it just showed the fact that she, she had the affair with Mike and she had her head turned by Stephen. She just, you know, she likes a man of means. Um, look, at, look at Ken. Who wouldn't? Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so... That's kind. That's kind of the early, early Stephen. He does come back again in nineteen ninety-seven. Um, he, I, I like, and I didn't I, when when I, I, I before I did the research for this. I I thought that early Stephen was just a bit of a heartthrob doing a bit of business. I didn't realise how ruthless and harsh and cutthroat he was. And then when I thought well, how he later became, it didn't really gel. But hearing all this, he really was a bit of a git. Quite early on, wasn't he? Was he a git? He, well, t- turning down Elmer when she made a pass at him. What, you don't, coming in and, and you don't have to go out a... with everyone who fancies no, you. No, I know, but... If I, if I did, I wouldn't have a spare moment in the day. I, I think he he wasn't... He wasn't... He, he, from, from what I'm from gathering from this, he um, wasn't so much of a people person and business was his number one priority and... Um, I think even Mike was, you know, he had the fact that he had Mike Baldwin um, on his toes goes to show that he must have had something about him. And that does, I guess, tie into how he is later, where business is still just as important to him. Well, the 80s and the 90s was a time where we were obsessed with business and people that made money and Hmm. it was all very cool. And I think these days, like millionaires and billionaires, everyone thinks they're assholes and... I think definitely if Stephen Reed had been maybe ten much. years younger, he'd have had a like a blue shirt with a white collar on. Yeah, he'd have been he'd have been that sort of businessman. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I was also thinking like comparing how he's treated Elaine this year is quite similar to how he's treated he treated Alma in the past, sort of stringing her along a little bit, not really being interested in her. It, he's got a real kind of contempt for for women. Do you think? Apart, apart from, I think he probably did quite love Jenny in the end, but I wouldn't have been surprised if, I mean, so I suppose, you know, he was going to fleece her in his final week, wasn't he? He was going to run away with Jenny's money. I think he's a sort of person who thinks, hey, what can you do for me before mm. anything else is, comes into consideration? Yeah, which I suppose is a very entrepreneurial attitude. Well, it's about climbing to the top of that ladder, isn't it? This is this is probably one of the reasons why we don't just universally universally worship businessmen <laughs> these days. I do. I I do wish that um, 
they'd have kept some element of his sporting past, though. Maybe he could have... Um, Come on, Michael, ma- look at his physique. Ma- this guy is, like, super buff and he's in his 60s, you say, right? So the fact that he's, like, not just, like, a, a like... Look, there, there are people in the show, I'm not going to name names, who are much younger than he is, who could definitely not beat him in a race. <laughs> so the fact that he's still got that great physique in his older years it's kind of making me wish that he'd have offed one of his victims by like the hockey puck uh, 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 hundred, uh, how, how far can you punt uh, a hockey can, puck can I've, puck got, I've got no puck. idea well, I but, yeah, for a long the... distance take down Rufus with a, with a hockey puck I heard that the Canadian um, embassy specifically asked them not to do that oh can you just imagine it'd been like a Casey Jones kind of scary guy in the hockey mask who yeah. is it it's me Stephen Reed. we don't yeah we don't really this is we don't really have um, hockey masks and things like that in this country. You don't. Why didn't he popularise them? I think that that would have made a very good Halloween special this It could year. have been. If only he'd made it to the end of the month. Think about ITV. I can't believe they missed the opportunity to flog Stephen Reed hockey masks on the ITV shop. <laughs> it's too late now, isn't it? I know. Right, 1997, Gemma. So his return. Do you want to take the lead on this so, one? So this was in the weeks following Don Brennan's suicide attempt, which he blamed on Mike. Yeah, this was when Don tried to um, gas himself do you remember in the yeah. uh, was it in the garage i think and he he had the he had the hose yep. pipe round in and Didn't work. He, yeah don blames mike for everything that's gone wrong in his life basically and then stephen hears a nasty message that don's left on mike's answer phone he's very surprised by this then a few days later he cancels the Quebec contract that with Mike, saying that he's going to damage the company's reputation. Yeah, by, by saying, if you're, if you're responsible for this guy trying to take his own life, I don't think I want to be doing business Well, with not you, even actually. that. It's like, if you're being accused of something, you're going to bring everything into... Mm-hmm. It doesn't even matter if you I did mean, it. It later that. turns out that he was just trying to find an excuse, but we will get to that in a minute. Alma tries to, to beg him to change his mind, but he refuses, saying, I don't care, I don't care what people think of you. And then he goads Alma about the fact that she's attracted to ruthless men like him. And he says, I know you'd still go to bed with me if you could. And she runs off, she's really, this is not a very nice thing to hear, is it? No. I don't know why you'd, this is not the Uncle Stephen I know, the, the gregarious, friendly, loving man who we all <laughs> have um, come to appreciate in his final years on the show. I suppose, I, I'm thinking like, you know, the, it seems like through some of his younger years, he really could get by just smiling sexily at people and getting them to do whatever they time. wanted. And now, you know, he's in his 60s, he's past his prime and he doesn't have that. And I think that helps tie into his image of like the desperate businessman that he's become. You know, he's he definitely... He's got a lot shorter of a temper nowadays than he did before. He's just he just strikes me now as a really really frustrated person that can't get what he wants because he doesn't have that well, that youthful je ne sais quoi that he had just, back then. It's not just the, the the tragic passing of time and its uh, toll upon your visage, but it's also the fact that his whole life has been geared around success in business. And when we see him return to the the show in the last year we'd seen his dreams of becoming an incredibly successful businessman had gone completely mm. to pot. So mm. everything he ever wanted has been taken away from him. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, there's a fallout between Alma, Audrey and Gail when she start, Alma starts saying, oh, Stephen's just a scheming coward. And obviously they don't want to hear that about 
lovely Uncle Stephen. <laughs> He's not an uncle yet, is he? I suppose he is at this point. After finding out that um, that Quebec, Quebec had been using all these lame excuses to pull out of contracts, Mike interrupts a family meal at the Platt's house to accuse Stephen of using the Don business... Um, angle as an excuse to back out of the contract and seems like you're a small fry i need to listen to you <laughs> so there's a big to do johnny johnny briggs was definitely hollywood height wasn't he <laughs> i suppose that is another thing i i, I mean my, mike didn't seem to be intimidated or scared of very many people but i think when this tall handsome very successful businessman is coming in and literally towering over yeah. him it must have emasculated him just a tad if you've met if you've met Todd Boyce, you will know that this he is very tall and very imposing. Yes, we, we have we have been in his presence. Exactly. We've not spoken to him, but no. he has swooshed I've past seen us him before. Beating a man to death. <laughs> no, we haven't. We've seen him dragging a corpse. There's All a right. difference. I was trying to be dramatic, stop ruining it. <laughs> okay, so uh, the Baldwin's finances are now in ruin, so Alma has to sell the cafe and Stephen's trying to charm her into keeping it because Gail's employed there. And uh, he knows it's going to affect her. So this is when you, you mentioned earlier that Alma ends up slapping him try, for trying to use her. And uh, Gail asks Stephen to use his his uh, business loot to buy Alma's share of the cafe so she can keep working there. But he's like, no, I'm going back to Canada. And he does. I think that's when Roy takes um, a chunk of the, fact, uh, of the of Roy's rolls. I think he, t- he takes that share there. A nice big bite of Roy's rolls. Yeah. Mike continues uh, to manufacture counterfeit Quebec goods, Quebec goods until March. But then uh, Don, this was, I remember this. I remember this watching this. Great. Don burns the factory down and saves Mike's bacon. Yeah, but I, I can't remember exactly what happens. But I think it's like the word spreads or somebody who might really doesn't need to know about this finds out that he's been manufacturing yeah. um, knockoff cave and he's like, quick, quick, hide the, and he's hide like the what evidence. on earth do I do? Yeah. Don firebombs the factory and there's a really great scene because this, I can't remember whether, I mean, I, I don't remember where it was filmed but the layout of the factory it was very, very kind of industrial and workshopish rather than what we've got now. Um, and, and they actually they just set it on fire it's great it's yeah, a really, it's good, really scene. good scene <laughs> really they effective they didn't scene. just like put a bit of uh, hold a match in front of the camera and go look it's fire yeah no it was it was really really good that scene and and Mike afterwards just gloating to Don that about thank you very much you have saved my bacon that was honestly great. The, the rivalry between Don Brennan and Mike Baldwin Mike just in, had... in the mid 90s was mm, brilliant the rivalry between Mike and anybody because Mike didn't make friends did he just made enemies Mm, yeah, yeah. So it really does seem to me that he always has been a bit of a villain. When he came back last year, um, some, a lot of people were quite surprised and saying, no, I don't believe this, that he's turned into turned into a murderer. And, and I know that not all cutthroat businessmen go around whacking people over the head with hole punches, but... It wasn't completely out of character, I think. Enough that he, of them do that it can't be a coincidence. He, <laughs> he was a real shark. So it, I, I, I say it fits. I say it works. I don't think it's beyond the rounds of impossibility or, uh, you know, well, suspension of disbelief required too much. Maybe it's the fact that, you know, Coronation Street, a bunch of um, uh, creative hippies, or maybe it's the... Um, the anti-capitalists in them or or I don't know what it is but they Coronation Street hates businessmen 
There aren't. There haven't been very many. Name a name an entrepreneur on Coronation Street who's actually used their powers of money for good. I really can't think of one. I mean, who are the other entrepreneurs? You got Dev. You got Steve. Yeah, but um, they're all, they all these people are kind of ruthless, or they have been. Well, what about Roy? Roy, I wouldn't count him as a businessman. <laughs> I know. I think there's definitely a difference in fiction He's in the between somebody industry. that owns a, a, a business that they work at. Or somebody who is a business person. It's like a category of, um, Mm. you know. So so even Carla, when she came in, was very ruthless and no nonsense. They're all cut from the same cloth on Coronation Street. Mm. Don't you think? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's the working class background of of the show where they're, you know, there's a certain level of suspicion against middle class people. (laughs) Um, But but definitely, if you're a business person, especially if you're a man... You're up to no good normally on Coronation Street. Pretty and, much. And I think that Stephen Reed is just the latest one. <laughs> I mean, if you even think about Pat Phelan, he owned his own business at the beginning of the show and he was involved in shady dealings because he declared himself bankrupt so he wouldn't have to pay Gary back mm. and then put all the business in his wife's name and he was living in that giant mansion. It, I think it's very easy to make a, a, a villain out of a businessman because well, everyone's other, kind of... It? It's what? It's othering because yeah. many people don't really, uh, what's the word, connect to, to the to the wealthy. Yeah. You, Unless you're wealthy it's yourself. It's kind of like the, and even very the, many, the Ebenezer Scrooge kind of figure of yeah. I'm, I'm here with my piles of money. And... Even lots of wealthy people, especially if you don't make your money in business, don't, don't kind of associate themselves with that kind of figure, do they? No. So um, 2007, he came back. So he had a break for 10 years and he returned in December 2007 for 14 episodes. This... What, 14 episodes in, in one month? Yeah. That's good. I know. Um... There wasn't much of a story here, whereas the, the mid '90s Stephen, he was definitely involved in, um, yeah, plot developments, and then it's like, oh, it's the Stephen story. This was more like he came in to facilitate goings on at the Platts house. So he shows up one day in December and says, "Listen, I'm thinking of expanding my business into Milan. I could do with, and I'm looking for people to help me there." David, who, now this is, what, four years post-Hillman, is going through his real teenage tearaway stage. He hates his family, he wants to kill his mum, and he says, Uncle <laughs> Stephen, I just, I don't feel like I belong here. I, I, you know, we got on, hate my family, can I come and work with you? So Stephen says, well, look, three-month job in Milan, come and help me set up the factory. Brilliant, says so, David. Yeah, so, he, so Stephen says, yes, you are a, a narrow-minded teenage boy with no language skills or experience of living outside of even the very small geographical vicinity that you were born in you're the perfect person i would need to set up a a factory in a foreign country i just think in a trade that you'd know nothing about (laughs) he he lives next to a a factory so maybe he thinks that he's just sucked in some of that business this is just nepotism well maybe it is because stephen is possibly still feeling i don't have much of a connection with my family i've seen them once for a little bit i mean he he is the sort of character that every now and then the the plats would mention like oh, I've been on the phone to Stephen or yeah, Stephen I've, I've been over to see Stephen. It's the Stephen old can't come here, to the but, funeral. But Stephen at this point is still I know that the plats are my family, but 
I don't. I want. I want to get closer to them. I suppose. What um, are the reeds up to? Ma- ma- somebody's going to we'll tell us. They probably. They probably probably have been killed off by this point. I don't know. But anyway, so Stephen says, think, David, yeah. come over to Milan with me. Sarah is mega jealous of this. She's because, like, I like clothes more than David well, does. There's that. There's also the fact that David has been the most mm-hmm. horrific teenager. Um, but up to this point, and she says, "Look, you don't want him. You don't want David. Well, she Evil knows David Platt. She knows what he's like. He's disruptive. Yeah, and I and I can't remember the timeline exactly. I mean, this might have been after David had stashed the ecstasy tablets in Bethany's teddy and and uh, and all sorts. Good job she turned out all right. And, and I think this must have been um, was this before? This was after David ruined." Um, Sarah and Jason's wedding as well. So Sarah's like, Stephen, no, take me. Let me yeah. go there. So, oh, sorry. That was a very loud ding. Yeah. So um, Sarah, she gets a bit sneaky herself and plants ecstasy tablets in David's drawer at the salon. Audrey finds them. Gail's like, oh my gosh, David, you're on drugs. What's going on here? So Stephen says, um, well, you know, I'm not going to take you anymore. Because Gail says, you can't reward David by taking him to, to, to Milan. Don't so, take him to Milan. He's already having the time of his life on drugs. So Sarah starts hinting to Stephen, oh, I'd quite like to go to Milan, actually. Me and Jason, let's go and live there. And um, he eventually um, falls for it and invites her along. However, sadly for Sarah, when Jason finds out about the whole drug planting escapade, he dumps Sarah, literally on the day that they're about to fly out there. She and young Bethany get on the coach to go to the airport to go to Milan, and that's the last we see of them until their return a few years later. And um, and Jason's left in Weatherfield on his own. I was going to say, I can't imagine Jason making a life for himself in a foreign country, but he's gone to Thailand. He has gone to Thailand. And I bet he still doesn't know a word of it, <laughs> how to speak the language. So, um, yeah, that was very much um, just a little cameo from Stephen there, which is nice. It's good to have characters, the extended families, pop in for a visit. Um, he didn't appear to be villainous or devious or scheming or, or anything back then. I mean, this was after Mike Baldwin had died as well, so we didn't get to see, sadly, um, them locking heads here. Um, so I, I, I did think it was kind of interesting to point out his attitude towards the drugs, considering where his character went along, uh, along the narcotics route in his final years as well. And also... This is worth pointing out. This is two years before he got married to Gabrielle as well. So um, he, b- between those, the first two stints on Coronation Street, he he'd been in loads. Do you mean he Todd Boys? Todd, yeah, Todd yeah. Boys. He um he he's he's got an IMDb page yeah. as as long as your arm. He's in between the first two Corrie stints. He was like, uh, what, he, he, we'd seen no, him in TV, Charlie and the yeah. Chocolate Factory on the film. We played a reporter. There were lots of mini roles. Um, he was a, he was in the bill for a one-off. I must have recognised him there. But I, there's there's far too much to mention. And then after this one, um, he that was in. So after after the 2007, 2007 appearance, yeah, he's he, other things that we saw him in included Kickass Two. Not, Not as good, good as Kickass One. I think is all you can say about <laughs> Kickass Two. Jim Carrey was although. Right. Interesting that the guy who was the lead in that uh, is is cons- considered to be a forerunner to be the new James Bond. Oh, is it? So that. maybe Todd Boyce could get a job as maybe the new Bond villain. Oh, yeah, he'd make a good one. Because I think he'd be great. <laughs> I really honestly want, I know this is an aside, James Bond, go back to the 60s and do proper, campy, silly British humour. Not quite carry on, but, you know, like, silly nonsense. And I think... 
we've seen that Todd Boys can do campy, silly villains oh, really yeah. well. So, is anyone listening from Hollywood here? I'm sure there's quite a few of you. <laughs> Argue amongst yourself for that idea, but at least put me in the thank you section at the end of the film. So, Todd played um, the chief of police in Kick-Ass 2. Yeah. He was also in the first Fantastic Beasts film, which I really enjoyed. He was an announcer of some sort in that. I, yeah. don't, I don't remember him being in that. I think um, I do. On TV, he also expanded his soap repertoire by appearing in Hollyoaks, where he played a character called Herb Carter for 11 episodes. That definitely there's, sounds there's like he played that, that with an it, yeah, yeah, he did not play a British person in that. Was That's he called right. Herb? Oh, I don't know, actually. Um, he was in Mr. Selfridge. Who we was watched it? that was, for a little was bit. That, was that um, Catherine, Catherine Kelly, Kelly was, was in, in Mr. Selfridge? Yeah. yeah, he was in Sherlock. He was in The Crown. Loads. Yeah. He's even um, done voices in video games as well, including Star Wars Battlefront and Lego The Incredibles. He's just done loads. And I love how these... He's always in work, yeah. He, he really, really is always in work, but... That's the dream to be in. For me, he's always, that's Uncle Stephen, that's Stephen Reed. And I'd I'd be interested to know, like, where on his list of um, characters that he's played, how special and important is Stephen to him compared to everything else. Because to me, he is literally, he's just Stephen who's done lots and lots of other things. But um, I'm, I'm always surprised because you see... When when people leave Coronation Street, you have, you can look at their IMDb page, and there's a sometimes a smattering of things, or sometimes they they leave showbiz what com, uh, um, completely. completely. But he's done loads. Um, so in 2022, it was revealed that he would return to Coronation Street. This was confirmed on the 5th of May uh, <laughs> last year. Um, I remember my reaction to this being why. Oh, why are they bringing him back? Okay. It's well, this... always good to have old characters back. But this was announced at the same time as Martin Hancock coming back playing Spider. And um, I can't remember what the name of the actress who plays Wendy Papadopoulos is or Wendy Crozier. But um, yeah, they were there all, were three, they were were all within weeks of each other. were three old characters. And of, of the three, Spider definitely felt like he had the most potential. Yeah, I was dead excited for Spider's return. We all like Spider Nugent. We love Toya. This was, uh, you know, there were definitely... It was it was kind of obvious where Imran was going at mm-hmm. that point to some people. And um, so we were more excited about that return. But and also Wendy is like, well, you know, the, the, from the a, ultimate yeah. Corrie love triangle. Well, no, I suppose that's not the old. <laughs> that's Ken Deirdre and Mike. But the whole, the other woman, flaming Wendy Crozier... Have the potential for more scenes with Ken, brilliant. But Stephen, Stephen was back. definitely the least uh-huh. promising return of those, but he turned but what, out to be what a, turnaround. a dark horse for sure. Yeah, I mean, I I did enjoy a lot of um, St- um, Spider's return story, and actually Wendy's was okay as well. But you know, I'm not gonna say they didn't kill anyone. They, I'm not gonna say they they held up to to the epic Spider Stephen Reed um, story that we got. Had his chance. They didn't do it. He didn't, no, he didn't. No. So um, in May last year, a Corrie source said to Metro, um, and probably they told some other people too, Stephen's return comes amid Audrey's frustrations that she's being viewed as an old woman by the family. It's the start of a big plat story that will put Audrey at the centre of the action again. The rest of the plats will be suspicious over Stephen and what he wants. So what is he after? And should Gail, uh, sorry, should Audrey be listening to the rest of the clan? So no mm. hint whatsoever about where this is actually going. And I think that was one of the things that made me feel um, not so excited about the return. Well, it definitely... It's just like, oh, it's just about money and... It definitely kind of set us up to think that 
Stephen was going to be Audrey's white knight, where, you know, there's this... Uh, familiarity breeds contempt, and I think that the that it felt like we were being told the plats they're taking Audrey for granted. They think she's a silly old cow. They don't care about her anymore. And then Stephen comes in and teaches everyone the meaning of Christmas, and they all learn to get along and appreciate. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was I was expecting Stephen to be gone by Christmas. Yeah. I thought that it, that it would be it would be all about plat family drama. Yeah. Um. Yeah, interpersonal relationships. Yeah. And, you know, uh, maybe he he's saying, oh, you know, you've had all this time with mom and you haven't ever appreciated her for who she is, that kind of thing. Mm. But it did... And that did play a part of it, at the beginning at least. Um, but clearly they must have known all along where this is actually heading. So it's a nice bit of luring us into a... I don't know. Yeah, thinking it was going one way. I haven't seen anything with Todd Boy since he left the show, so I don't know if this has been t- spoken about. But I really would love to know how much they told him. Like when when they brought him I, back, I, yeah. did they say, "Look, this you're never going to come back to Corey again"? But would you like to go out with a bang? I think that they did tell him. I think I've seen somewhere that that he knew. Right, so this was the 5th of May last year, and so it was around August when we actually got to see him, um, me and Michael, we got to see the, f- the filming of the scene where he's uh, dragging Leo's body into the, into the van. So we knew then that mm. that was going to happen, yeah, but it, it wasn't, wasn't aired until, until sept- yeah, the end of September. So mm. um, Stephen's villainous side wasn't revealed um, until a few months in, but he wasn't really, you know, if he, he was a, announced as a return on the 5th of May and then mm. by September he's killing someone. Yeah, and I think I was enjoying well enough his story up until then. It wasn't set in the world alight, to be honest. Uh, I mean, there's still the stuff with Audrey that happened over like the well, summer all, of last year with her suicide attempt. And... It was all very low-scale, like... F- the Platts have always seemed, in recent years, to have had stories where they're stealing money from one another. Yeah, basically. And that's fine, but it's really the drama that it causes between the characters that's interesting, not so much the the stealing of the money stuff, because I, I find that kind of boring, because the trouble is, in Coronation Street, they just manifest money when they need it. So mm. suddenly, you know, one day they want to make a story where Sarah and David fall out, next year maybe David's just going to win money off a scratch card or find it in a drain or an old lady that he cuts the hair of will leave him money in a will and then Sarah and and David will fight over this money that didn't exist two months ago and won't exist two months from now Mm. that kind of thing really is uninteresting to me but um, the interpersonal stuff between the Platts is very interesting because they're such a great family yeah and I did find Stephen coming in um, feeling that he wanted to make up to his mum and he wanted to make up for, for lost time. And I, I find that, I found that pretty interesting. But yeah, up, up until the murder reveal, I was just kind of ho-humming about the whole thing. Do you want to have a, re- a rundown of um, the 2022 story? So Audrey wasn't having the best of times, was she? Because no. there was the stuff about the cataracts and she's feeling kind of pushed out. She'd had her money stolen off of her. Um, nobody was taking her seriously and she started drinking mm. quite a lot. Yeah, Audrey was kind of feeling like she's not got the same 
oomph and get up and go. She's she's not a young woman anymore. And as somebody who has always been a bit of a party animal, yeah. even, you know, longer than one might expect. I mean, you can, par- <laughs> you can, you can party as long as you want. But um, Your body she, in, in the relationship between her and Alf even, and, and he dies in 99, didn't he? She was always a lot more full of life than he was. So I think well, she's now realised that I am, I'm, I, am, I'm, I'm, I, am. I'm, I am old now. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming to, well, to 80. But, you know, people like to talk about old souls and old before their time and, um, like, it, people that give off the appearance of being middle-aged when they're a teenager. Mm. But it's definitely the flip side of that, if there is one, is Audrey, because she's been a teenager the whole her whole life. Yeah, basically. She's never really grown out of it. She, um, I, I love her for that. I think she's brilliant. But she was realising that the passage of time had not escaped her mm. I mean, and when she, she starts drinking. When she came into it, she was, or Gail was the more mature of yeah. the two, wasn't she? Yeah. yeah I mean, so... it's fun to watch when it's not your mum. <laughs> so one day she gets drunk at work. She fires Kelly and David. It's a blast from the past, Kelly. Yeah. And uh, that evening she, um, this was, I don't know what's going on with um Trim up north and Audrey's, but they seem to have merged. I, d- I don't know. So I she's don't... just she's just like lushing about, being drunk in in Trim, Trim up, up north. north, and then she pulls the she falls over, and the and the motorbike falls on top of her, and then fortunately, all the way from Canada, Stephen arrives to rescue her, because <laughs> um, Gail asked him to come to help fix the family crisis, and uh, he plays peacemaker between between everybody, and. Audrey then decides to test everybody's loyalty by announcing that she's changed her will. She's going to leave all of her money to Warts, which is Weatherfield Association of Retail, retail yeah, stuff. <laughs> society. Yeah. I got um, so This was this was this this is society that Alf was in yes. when he was alive. It's like the Square Dealers. Yeah, the local businessmen's um, yeah. old boys other. club kind of thing. And yeah. she makes Stephen the trustee because she's kind of fed up with how grasping all the plats are and she's she's kind of testing to see whether they're going to still treat her nicely if they don't think there's anything in it for them. Mm. And she promises everybody that they are going to inherit but they are after a while, but they get mad at her anyway. And Stephen goes off in a huff. He gets fed up with uh, David's constantly sniping and insulting him. Then there's a bit of a will they, won't they... Between Yasmin and Stephen. I'd forgotten about this. Because Stephen's obviously, we don't know this, but Stephen's on the lookout for a payout, isn't he? Yeah. He's got this pressure that we don't know about until much later on where Gabrielle wants him to pay her loads of money. Mm. We'll get to that in a minute, but that's what the primary motivation of Stephen to come back to Weatherfield is to get cash. First of all, he tries to get it from Audrey. It doesn't work. Then he sets his sights on Yasmin. That doesn't work because she ends up going out with Stu. And then... Um, he starts trying to use the business angle on Carla because he suggests to Carla that um, that she she needs in working in the rag trade. She buys his materials from his business, but Carla's not interested. She does not want to do any more dealings with the Platts. Um, I think I can agree. That's that's <laughs> a good idea. Then we see. Um, uh, the angry side of Stephen, and this was like properly frightening actually because uh, he's got his jag. And Kevin's supposed to have fixed it. And then it breaks down. And he just freaks out and starts beating the car, doesn't he? And, like, Mm. really screaming. And this was... 
I think at the time you're supposed to think, oh, this is just a manifestation of how frustrated that he is in general with his lot in life. But actually, no, it's supposed to demonstrate that he gets violent and he lashes out when things don't go his way. Yeah, there were a few early scenes to show that yeah. he's not quite got control of his temper. I can't remember when exactly it was, but the classic was him round the back of the factory swinging the bins around, taking his frustrations off, that whatever scene. it was. Yeah. But yeah, he, like I said earlier, he's you. completely lost it. He used to be able to just schmooze into any room, yeah. be the centre of attention, get whatever he want, have all the women falling at his feet and now he's just fallen on really, really desperate times yeah. and he doesn't know what to do about yeah. that other than just get really, really mad and start yeah. chucking bins around. Well, I mean, again, it's a story a, a bit about ageing where when you're younger you think, even if things go wrong, number one is it kind of expected that you make mistakes when you're younger but number two, you've got more time to fix it. But as he grows older, he starts to realise that he's running out of time to make good on his ambitions. Yeah, he had life. all these plans of being Mr. Mr. Businessman. Mr. Moneybags. Yeah, but it's it's not worked out for him. He's got this um, messy relationship with Gabrielle. He's had to steal money already. and um, It's not who he thought he was. No. And that is... Um, a shocking Nobody revelation for, any, for anyone. And in August, we realise just how broke he really is when his credit card gets declined. And this is when Gabrielle gets introduced as his um, wife. They're still married at yeah. this point. And so he tries to use her card as well. That was a great little revelation. And it's like, oh, who's Gabrielle? Who's Gabrielle? Who? Mrs. Reed. That was brilliant. That was a nice little... Um, I don't know whether they'd um, spoiled that one before, but we, we certainly didn't know I about didn't know it. About so that, that was... Very intriguing. And Gabrielle, we find out later, is sort of known to the family and they've spent time together. Mm. She's not a stranger to them, so it was just a sort of revelation for the viewers. So um, he's sort of egging, uh, egging? hedging his bets, trying to, to have as many plans as possible to try to get money. So he's nagging Audrey to sign this form to make him the trustee of her estate so that he can basically steal all of her money and he's also trying to get his foot in the door at underworld um but he only manages to get in there when the shareholders and this is the 50 centers 50 centers force carla to take him on as a consultant because he's very good at pretending on the surface to be he competent can talk the talk. businessy but once you sort of speak to him for more than a week it becomes apparent that he doesn't know what he's doing and <laughs> doesn't have anything to i back think him he up. does i think he's got he doesn't he's have anything got to... some business know-how he know, does oh, oh, okay but he doesn't have any of the stuff that he's saying he does right Carla doesn't trust him and neither does Shona who obviously is significant in the Platts because you know she's she's a married in Platt but she's still mm. one of the team so, I, I kind of as the story goes on as much as I enjoyed all the serial killing I was a little bit disappointed that the whole family angle did kind of peter out a little bit well, didn't this is it? the thing this should this is why it should have been given more time mm. so um this is when audrey is feeling very down and we've got the su- suicide attempt and things and yeah he organizes he organizes a lunch doesn't he for, for audrey and everybody and that's when she reveals to is everybody it? that she tried to, to take her own life yeah. yeah and then her family when they find this out convince her to take antidepressants um, and so she then decides to cancel this trust fund plans and uh, write another will. Um, 
And unfortunately, all of this attentiveness backfires on Stephen when he gets written out of the will because Audrey thinks he's so together and uh, organised that he doesn't need her money. He's made it, yeah. Weeps. He's absolutely livid <laughs> here. That was so this was funny because we'd his... seen him scheming, hadn't we? Yeah. And then for her to uh, pull that rug out from underneath him, brilliant. So um, then he t- sets his sights on Jenny because he realises that she could be the answer to his financial problems. Um, she's got quite a lot of money coming to her, and yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. I and mean, Johnny's gone. She's, yeah, exactly. Local business owner. Yeah. So he Perfect. he kisses her in the back room, and but unfortunately, she's already going out with Leo, and she gets proposed to by him. She accepts, and they plan to move to Canada. I think that yes, Stephen's initial um, attraction to Jenny was certainly if not you know maybe even a little but i don't know money driven but i think out of everybody that we saw him um hanging around with and, and attracted to it felt like his love or his affection for her was more genuine than anybody else at least of all the characters that he's ever been linked to romantically she's also the only one we've ever seen reciprocate in an honest way yeah yeah so it was kind of significant and again it was rushed because they they ended the, sh- the storyline before they really meant to mm. so we got it condensed into about a week where jenny decided it's like she was sprayed with pheromones or something she it really was wasn't it throughout the whole throughout, well, a huge chunk of 2023 i was thinking when when's the Stephen and jenny angle going to come back again and you got the odd look didn't you where yeah. he kind of make eyes at her at the bar and then nothing would happen and and I do feel that we were shortchanged a little on that relationship because actually they they did seem to suit each other quite well Jenny's very good or Sally Ann Matthews is very good at acting loved up with whoever (laughs) they pair her with whether it's whether it's him or whether it's Vinter or whether it's uh, whether it's Richard to Hawley or whatever Uh, she's she goes she kind of reverts to a little giddy schoolgirl, doesn't she um, because in some ways you can look at Jenny and think that she kind of needs a father figure after losing yes, her dad definitely. so young, and that and you know she she went out with a few older men. As, um, uh, Stephen is definitely her senior. Johnny was as well. Um, well, let's not m- reveal too many of the of the secrets of uh, Jenny's romantic life. Shall we? <laughs> okay. um, so, meanwhile, two genius business minds are forming. <laughs> The, the company the likes of which has never been seen. This is probably Coronation Street's most successful company of all time. I think... Everyone... Genuinely, I'm not even joking. <laughs> the Nipper Snapper, the brainchild of Sarah and Michael on Coronation Street, has had almost... The only obstacles in its path have been really Stephen trying to ruin stuff. I can't Without... know whether you can call it a brainchild, because which one of the two of them has the brain? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> The, the, the brain cell child, perhaps. If Michael's listening to this, he's thinking, brain, child, an excellent nipper-snapper idea for a duo of T-shirts. One for the parent and one for the child. Honestly. Uh, this was... People say that the uh, everything that went on with Stephen, murder in left, right and centre, and nobody figuring that out was a, was a suspension of disbelief. But I say the biggest... Um, one of those for this story was the fact that Nipper Snapper was such a massive success it was despite a, a its absolute ho-hum idea. At the end of the day, these people all made 70 grand each out of this. And I'm going to say that's how much they made. Yeah, I, I think it was. And and it was just the most feeble idea I've ever heard of. But it literally was Coronation Street's best business idea outside of, what are they, donkey t-shirts? Oh, yeah, they the, the mule face t-shirts. Mule face t-shirts. <laughs> so... 
they want to start this business and Stephen says, why don't you put my name down as a partner so that people will take you seriously and it gives it gravitas. But even though um, they've done this, they still get turned down by investors. <laughs> These naysayers, they, they're kicking themselves. It's like when oh, bet, yeah. people that didn't uh, buy a share in Google and they had the chance. <laughs> Gabrielle shows up and this is when we find out that Stephen is in serious trouble. She, he owes her £200,000 that he's stolen from the company. And up until this point, we'd seen, uh, I think we'd seen like a like a website. I think he's trying to make websites for people. He's, there was a thing about the Underworld website. Yeah. And you get to see his business website and it's like a, a really gorgeous, luxury looking brand like Milan menswear it's very high class very couture very cool looking and you think you know he's 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 got he's got it made but there's obviously he needs the money but but why and then we find out that it's because he's nicked money off of gabrielle and he tries to get the money by organizing a valuation on audrey's house uh, but it doesn't go to plan because Audrey comes back from a spa weekend and ends up seeing the value were there. Yeah, he, I can't remember. Does he say to her, oh, it was just a mistake or, or something? And, and she... Well, she believes in because... cock and bull story she, comes up like, anyway. This is the thing about... Um, I don't know if this is ever going to be examined really closely in, in Corrie, but clearly, even though she didn't get to raise him as a ch- uh, for, for much of his childhood at all, Audrey sees... Um, Stephen is the golden child of, of the of the two, of her kids. Mm. And so nothing he ever does is wrong. Whereas everything Gail does is, is always wrong. Yeah, he's totally the golden boy. Like you said earlier about people from abroad being a bit special. He's got, he comes with that ready, ready-made glean already, doesn't exactly. he? Exactly. The fact that he is a self-made businessman, very successful. Yeah, Audrey is very proud of him. Exactly. So Leo notices Stephen's acting very weird and he starts following him around and realises that this is all a facade. He's not even got anywhere to live. He's sleeping in his car. And when he announces this in the pub... um, When Leo does, yeah. Leo reveals it to embarrass Stephen. Stephen reveals that he kissed Jenny just just before she accepted Leo's proposal of marriage. And this is when we get the bit where uh, Leo punches um, Stephen and knocks him to the ground. Leo's already found out that Stephen organised the valuation of the house and he overhears some whispers between Stephen and Gabrielle about the fact that they're trying to sell Audrey's house or get some money from that. So he confront. This is when we get the first murder. Um, Leo confronts Stephen in the underworld gantry. So this is the, the sort of catwalk behind the factory. Um, they, ha- they have a fight. He gets knocked to the floor. He then gets thrown well he kind of falls over i don't really know there's a scuffle he dies he falls in a bin really exciting came out of nowhere like you said earlier we we'd known about that for a month and a half or so before it happened because we we happened to be visiting the set the day that they filmed the body so lucky honestly um but i i was just so excited for it to happen because it's like we knew this really juicy secret yeah. that there was that Stephen, who is just at this point being a bit of a meddlesome businessman, yeah. was actually going to turn killer. And we also knew he was going to be a serial killer as well. I just think that Coronation <laughs> Street spoiled it a little bit. I can't remember the exact circumstances now, but yeah, they did reveal they, a bit they, too they, much. The, the synopses of the episode for the the, the the death episode, say something along the lines of Stephen confronts um, Leo, and blah, blah, him. blah. But it doesn't say about the killing. And then the next episode, it's like, oh, Jenny's wondering about the mysterious disappearance of Leo. And I do remember people... Set- 
putting two together and thinking, oh, is Stephen going to kill Leo? And it's a real shame that it had to go that way because I would have loved that to have absolutely come out of nowhere. Every, I mean, I, I bang on about it all the time about how Coronation Street overspoils things. But um, to have that as being a, a 100% surprise, which I'm sure it still was for a lot of viewers back uh, there at home, would have, uh, would have been even more perfect. So anyway, victim number well, one. Well, yeah, Leo. we had no idea that this was going to turn to murder because, like we just said, plat money squabbles and business shady business dealings and theft are really ten a penny on Coronation Street. Where there's a business on Coronation Street, there's somebody stealing money from it or owing somebody money out of it. So the the fact that this turned to murder was not really, you know... No, it wasn't expected. It was a big surprise. So it's a shame that they hinted a little bit too much about it before it happened. So, Leo's body in the van, gets buried. They didn't really do a brilliant job of showing where the burial was. I know that they filmed more than they showed, they showed because we've spoken to the director, Matt There's Hilton only so much it. you can show in um, an episode, I suppose. I can tell. I mean, it was fine for us because we watched it and we knew exactly what was going on. But in the in, in the the months following it, I saw an awful lot of people on social media saying, where is Leo, by the way? I don't remember what happened to Leo. Did we ever see what happened to Leo's body? And that kind of shows that they they missed, they, they got it a little bit wrong there, maybe, that people didn't know. No, I mean, I thought you can put it together, but sometimes, this is the trouble about soaps, that you can get frustrated when they really spell things out, but I think some people do need it, don't they? Yeah. And also, the other thing about it, you know, that, that may be a bit unfair on people, because soaps thrive in this, um, in the world of the unknown. So if you don't actually see it happen, it probably could be written that it didn't happen Well, Andy Carver is yeah, a brilliant perfect example, example of that. Yeah, absolutely. So, um... He buries Leo's cases and his passport and Leo in the abandoned field that eventually becomes the next greatest place to, to build a house. Jenny is left to assume that Leo has gone to Canada without her. Her heart's broken. She's been abandoned again. Then Leo's dad, Teddy, who coincidentally is an old school friend of Jenny, shows up looking for him. And Stephen, who has still got Leo's phone, convinces him that he's gone off hiking in the Yukon my favourite place to go hiking. Um, in December. In December. Um, to sort of throw him off the sense, and he completely believes this. Then Gabrielle and Stephen collude together to finalise the equity release on Audrey's house. And I don't know if everybody knows what equity release is, but basically it just means if you've got to the stage in your life where you've paid off all your mortgage and you're going to stay in your house until you die, you can sell off a bit of the house or all of the house to another company that then owns the rights to your house. I think this is right. I don't, Correct me yeah, if I'm wrong. Either. You can sell off the rights to your house the ownership of your house to somebody else. You get to live there until you die, but then when you die, the house gets passed on to somebody yeah, else. Yeah, this is what Richard family. Hillman was all involved with um, 20 years ago, wasn't well, it? Well, it's a good thing to do if you don't really need, you know, you don't need the money, you're going to die, so what's the point of of worrying about it? Spend the money while you're alive and uh, or give it to your evil son without <laughs> without knowing that you've done it. Um, so then, Audrey, but then Audrey says I've got an idea I've had an idea about equity release on my home because this is when Sam is sad because his mum's dead and so Audrey who is his great grandma because Nick's found out he's got a secret son Sam she decides she wants to take him to see the Northern Lights 
So he has to decide quickly what to do here. And he decides, instead of let, hey mom, instead of uh, getting the equity <coughs> from your home, I'll just give you the money, which is obviously the money that he's stolen from her, but she doesn't know this. And then he decides to prevent her from going on this trip by giving her an overdose on her um, antidepressants. Yeah, there was a scene that he doesn't do it, but there was a really great scene where Audrey's there. And I do are we maybe led to wonder whether or not he's put the, yeah. the, the pill in her drink or not? That was really, really well done. Just, just mentioning Sam there made me think, how much did we get of... Stephen and his great nephew Sam. None I'm going to say not enough, all. and it may actually be we, none at all. I mean, they, they were, were in they scenes were, together. They were all plats, weren't they? How much did but they speak? There's, I, I feel like there's a lot of untapped potential. I know. What with with Sam probably being the plat who's got his head screwed on the most. It's a real shame. I mean, I've already spoken at length about how I would have liked Stephen to have not been killed off in this final episode, yes. but to have. Sam maybe visiting Stephen in prison and trying to find out. I mean, we've seen it before. I suppose that's the only thing. It's so um, galling to know that they had plans in the future for Stephen. They still killed him off. I want to find out. Somebody needs to tell us what those plans are. Why didn't they just keep him around in prison? And then, you know, think to yourself... Mm. The thing is about... Right, okay, so I'm just going to quickly break from talking about Stephen here to, to ponder this question, which has been bothering me for a while. Everybody loves the Richard Hillman storyline and it's remembered and considered to be one of Coronation Street's biggest, most impactful storylines. If we had social media at the time of Richard Hillman's uh, Reign of Terror, would he have gone down as as being universally popular or would there have been a big contingent of people that were complaining about it even at the time? Because I'm going to say that would have been the case. I really think that Mm. um, because there's not a great big... um, like canon of recorded information about everybody's individual thoughts at the time of Coronation Street, there's like an untapped audience of people who didn't actually like it and who don't say anything now when people say it was brilliant. Because I think history has been written that that it was just a really well-received storyline. And I'm not, I don't believe that for a minute. I think it was probably controversial at the time. I think it was a bit, but I'm kind of thinking, you know, magazine comments, people writing into telly. No, I know, but it's not going to be the same as it is now. Yeah. I think controversial, I think hater comments are far more weighted in favour of that now Mm. because people amplify the the negative and they're far more likely to be motivated to talk about things they don't like than they are things that they do like. What's that got to do with Sam? I'm talking about um, Stephen and the fact that they finished the storyline before they oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. should have done because they I'll because of it, all yeah. the negative reactions. But if they'd not done that and kept Stephen alive and maybe revisited some of the ideas that they had for his final six months they never got to see, maybe Sam could have been involved in that mm. more. I just I th- I think that more scenes of that and I I, I mean even now we haven't seen when do we see Sam last I don't even know. But I'd love to see his reaction because he's still a family member at the end of the day. Sam has already lost, you know, he lost his mum. Well, he the went other through year. a big deal about he's going. Had plenty of trauma, and now another family member is dead after being uncovered as being a murderer. Yep. 
surely that scene almost writes itself so I hope we do get something maybe like Sam could go to the funeral with Audrey or something I don't know we've spoken before about things that Sam really should have been around to say about Mm. things like this I can't wait until till Jude reaches an age where he can be used more in Coronation Street but you see what I mean about consensus feeling very like it feels like there's there's a What's the word? Accepted consensus about certain storylines being popular or not popular yeah. with the fandom, and I don't believe that the that it was that uncontroversial at the time. But correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just suggesting that that there's a history of Coronation Street fandom that is um, not very nuanced <laughs> up until now, when everybody can write anything that they want, yeah, which is it's fair a lot enough. easier to complain. Though. It's still de- yeah, it's definitely definitely, and that's fine. That's all part of it, isn't it? These days. So, um, yeah, Stephen is going to kill or maybe drug Audrey, but he doesn't. Instead, he takes a job as delivery driver for seven fellas, but then he comes off his bike in Bolton. He and Elaine grow closer in hospital because Elaine happened to be there when he came off his bike. Well, she also he sees her as a mark. He knows that she's got loads of money. He's got she's got this house, the big house that she wants to sell. And um, he he's he's got I don't know is it dollar or is it pound signs in his eyes, and in December he convinces Elaine that Gabrielle is coercively controlling him, because she's got that history with Jeff. She's she was um, abused. She was coercively controlled, um, and so she sees a kindred spirit in Stephen, and um, he gains her sympathy, and she ends up loaning him twelve thousand pounds so that he can invest in Nipper Snapper. He needed that. Back, he needed that like cover story to explain why he, Stephen, the great business mogul, didn't have the spare money because he was saying that Gabrielle was stopping him from from investing. So she gives him the money from her house sale. <laughs> then there's this funny story at Christmas where David's complaining about the, the gifts that they've been given. He gets a bunch of cheap stuff for the plats at Christmas. Every couple of years, Stephen, uh, David gets to have a bit of a moan about Christmas because well, it's also got, his birthday yeah. and people don't buy him double presents. But this year he had it even rougher from Stephen, didn't he? He regifts a hip flask that Lane gave him as a birthday gift and gives it to David. Mm-hmm. And then Gail finds out... And it all kind of comes out what that Stephen's been up to no good. And Elaine takes back her offer of £12,000. Um, no, that's not related to it. But she just starts to, to sort of have second thoughts and, and thinks that I've got something good here with Stephen, but I could jeopardise this if we go into that's business it, with each other. Happened, yeah. So she says to him, I'm not going to give you the twelve grand because I don't want to jeopardise our relationship. Um, and I'd rather have that than, than an investment. <laughs> Obviously, this is not why Stephen's been hanging around with Elaine all this time. <laughs> so he's a bit cross. But the, by the time the year is out, Stephen has been taken on at Underworld because Sarah's quit. And he's also convinced Elaine to, to sell a house, giving the funds to him. And he gets £10,000 compensation as well from seven fellas for falling off his bike. I thought it was six fellas. Six fellas, seven fellas. How many men are there? How many we fellas don't know. are there? Stephen worries that Teddy's coming back from Canada um, with news on Leo because he's gone over there to search for Leo because of all the clues that Stephen's left. Yeah, Teddy turns up. It was in between the Christmas and New Year period, I think, that he showed up again, just to add a little bit of uh, excitement to the, the final year, the final week of 2022. So, um, Teddy comes back 
and Leo intercept. Um, sorry, Stephen inter- intercepts him before he gets back to the the Rovers because he wants to tell Jenny. Yeah, he's he's I been found, over there and like I've looked over Leo's there. Not Leo's there. not there, and I found a guy who can trace text messages. Don't ask me how I've done that. And it seems as though they're all originating from Weatherfield. So he's around here somewhere, and he and then he and Stephen get into this big argument. Like, did he think I that, think or that did Teddy he just more think to I suspect him? I think somebody else has been sending these texts. I don't think it's Leo at it all. It really starts to become apparent that Stephen's about to get rumbled when Teddy steps back into Rosamond Street and gets hit by a van that was definitely going to run into the the kebab shop if it didn't hit him first. <laughs> Stephen's like, hooray! Um, well, especially because he get, he's taken to hospital and it looked like Teddy was going to die there, didn't he? He's, his prognosis is that he could well be brain dead for the, yep. you know, for the for, for the rest of the life. But um, that doesn't last very long, does it? Like, because it's the less than a week. clock strikes 12 on New Year's Eve. Teddy wakes from his coma and That's there's a nurse there going, do you know what? They always do this. At mid- right at midnight, on the stroke of midnight, I think I'm just going to bring a clock in and change it so that it always sounds like it's midnight on New Year's Eve just to see if I can wake any of these other people up. Bunch of lazy yeah, lazy that was, I think that was the last scene of... Um, it just eyes. Didn't he like see... Oh yeah, it was stupid. Do you remember like they had the little heart rate monitor in his eyes when he wakes up? Oh, Do you remember? Yes. I did not like that. Tell you what, these these. Effects. I'm sure we let you know at the time we didn't like that as this, well. The, this is the one thing I'll say about this story has led to a deluge of dodgy CGI effects in Coronation Street. They never used to need it and this story has had them in droves. If if one of your bigger complaints about this story has been the use of effects, we can definitely agree at least on that aspect with you. Yeah, yeah. It's been very... The thing is, that's cheesy but it's not camp Mm. and I like the camp aspect of of Stephen. I don't really know what the... I I think the difference is camp is like knowing... And cheesy is like has no idea how naff it is, and is still trying to convince you that it's mm. that it's good. Does, yeah. does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So we left twenty twenty two knowing that we were in the middle of a, a killer story, although not necessarily confirmed a serial killer. Yeah. and it was definitely a lot different than we were expecting it when he came when his announce the announcement of his return was made in May. Um, we were really into it, but there was an awful lot of people watching the show thinking, this isn't right, this isn't Coronation Street, this is no Richard Hillman or Pat Phelan. And even I, I struggled to really get into it at first, because even back then, I hadn't fully embraced the comedy of the story. And I think, I I think it was like early 2023, with the hole punched to the head. That that's when Coronation Street was saying, look at this, this is funny, this is camp. Just go with it. Yeah. And more people did come round to the idea. But back, you know, when we're talking about here, late 2022, there was quite a bit of hate for this story online, yeah. unfortunately. I'd, I'd be really interested to know when they made the decision to cut out those final six months. Yeah. And how much of what we got for the end was planned at this point. Because, yeah. you know, the, the the final weeks with Jenny, was that always going to happen? Was Stephen always going to be mown down in the pretty much exact spot that Leo was hit by the car? Um, Teddy. Oh, Teddy. Yeah, sorry. Teddy was hit by the car. I I mean, Did I... they plan to build it and make it more and more ridiculous as the, year w- as the story went on? I don't know. To be clear, I think... People that don't like Stephen are perfectly entitled to their, to their opinion and definitely allowed to say whatever they like about it. They're completely fine. But my problem is that 
in trying to please everybody, I think Coronation Street has, you know, the, the, it goes, if you try to please everybody, you please nobody. Mm. So in trying to, to balance between the group of people that just hate everything Stephen does and the group of people that, lo- that love Stephen's storyline, that all they've done is made everybody unhappy because knowing that we could have had an extra six months, knowing that the, the f- finale was kind of rushed and felt a bit sketched instead of painted beautifully like I was expecting... Um, it just feels like we were robbed of something. And also, who's to say that the people that didn't like Stephen's storyline wouldn't have come around to it if they had actually well, had thing. more time More and more people, I build. think, were coming around to it. I just feel but like... The decision to cut it short, I guess, had been made by It feels point. like they bottled it at the last minute, and I don't think it's fair to do that to storylines. Mm. And I... I mean, but who knows? Because they know what the figures are. They can look and say, say whether there was an impact... And at the end of the day, if there's a bottom line decision to be made based on revenue, they've got to do it that way. But I just have this very unpleasant feeling in my mind that that Stephen's storyline. It definitely one of the things that to me that fill, felt fill that, full, full potential. that wasn't full was the whole Gabrielle aspect, and still, I just I kind of thought she was going to come back. We were like yeah, going into twenty twenty three. We were thinking, well, she's going to be murdered. She's got a target on her back. Yeah. And, but she she only made a couple of appearances this year. Didn't if she? they had, I mean, I I wish they had given it more time, like they were originally planning to. But if they had only ever done one thing with this that they didn't end up doing, it would have been to have had another victim. I still think that the the, yeah. the storyline has suffered. And I've seen lots of people having... saying that online. The, the big criticisms have been that there's, there was not a fourth victim and all of the victims were just brought in to be killed. Yeah. The Coronation Street didn't say, we're going to be bold here, we're going to kill off a long-running popular character. And I think, you know... Not that Elaine's death would have made any difference with that one, of course. Not knowing, not knowing um, Ian McLeod at, at all, and only having heard what other fans say, not having heard anything from anyone who worked on the show. Just to be perfectly clear, this is all coming from my own opinion and other fans, not from insider stuff. But it just seems as though Ian McLeod really values a relationship with the actors. And would rather to maintain a good relationship with them than to get rid of, like, boot somebody out who didn't want to go. Mm. And I think that there are positives to be said for that because it definitely fosters a good working relationship with your cast. They trust you. They they appreciate you. You get good work from people that aren't scared for their jobs. But there's also something to be said for taking risks sometimes and not putting your personal feelings and being a good, you know, being a good person is all well and good, but if you need to make a television show, you can't be nice to everybody and give everybody, mm. a, a, you know, you've got a, a job here as long as you want it. I don't yeah. know if that's... Can't make an omelette without swinging a few axes at some eggs. Well, there's the benefits from both approaches, but I think in this situation, there w- it would have benefited from somebody being offed who was a major, major character. Yeah. Anyway, we, we, we need to get on the 2023. This is the biggest quickly year. Quickly add, quickly add, right? Um, although, although this story would have definitely benefited from somebody being pushed if they didn't want to go, mm. right? There are loads of other storylines that definitely benefit from, um, if this is the, in fact the case, Ian McLeod's very close relationship with fostering 
a mutual respect for his cast members and not just booting them out when they don't yeah. want to. And I also wanted to just add too that the um, the Hillman storyline where you had Maxine being killed, Tracy Shaw wanted to leave. Yeah. So he did. That wasn't a result of cutthroat kind of behaviour no, before no, um, behind the scenes. <laughs> right. Twenty twenty three. Just to be clear. Stephen's biggest year on the show I so far, quiet and we're already over an hour and a half into this, so I might need back. to um, abridge this a little bit. I'm Let... so sorry. No, no, it's fine. It's been, it's been interesting. Oh, you know, we like Stephen. So, um, Teddy has woken up from his coma, but he can't remember what happened in Canada, and of course Stephen is only too happy to fill him in on what he wants him to believe happened, which was that... Yes, you did meet Leo over there. You just told me, Teddy. You, he, he wanted nothing to do with you, so that's why you came back to Weatherfield. And so Teddy believes this for a little while. And it is very weird how <laughs> the doctor said he may well be brain dead, but actually he's pretty much absolutely fine because before, you know, a few days later, his memories have come back um, completely. Well, come on, man. It's not brain surgery. <laughs> and he, he confronts Stephen in the factory... And that's the end of him because Stephen launches at him, hole puncher in hand, whacks him round the back of the noggin, and that is the end of Teddy. Um, good death, exciting stuff. And the fact that it was the hole punch that was that really was the the flag of Coronation Street saying this is silly, isn't it? But Stephen getting all kind of like, oh my god, what have I done? And, and that, also and the... Michael just sort of ble- blimming at, uh, in and out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out. But Michael and Sarah were both there, and then borrowing they? the hole punch. Yeah, which to nothing, take home with happened. him. Well, this is this is one of the sort of lost elements, I assume, of the story because we got the CCTV footage um, that kind of got spirited away. We got the idea that I don't really feel like much is going to get teased from Michael's inclusion in the storyline, apart Uh, from the fact that he's a bit bummed out that he is not a successful businessman like you know, his brother's a good footballer and his sister's a good lawyer. Mm. And I wish there there was more depth to it. There were a few bits throughout this year which was like, here's the latest hurdle that Stephen has to get past. And you think, oh, this is going to be something really big. But it turns out that it's kind of dealt with quickly. And it never gets... The the tie pin for me, which we'll get to in a little bit, really was that this could have been the thing that brought him down or really made him panic or have to up his game or or whatever and and it it never really did but anyway we'll get to that so teddy's dead and after a little trip to the lake district in audrey's roof box thank you audrey (laughs) for not realizing that it was in there he's returned to weatherfield and gets um royally sunk in the canal (laughs) great scene with Stephen there throwing rocks at it to try and sink it and um that's the end of Teddy for the time being. So Stephen now thinks he's got away with murder twice, gets on with his life. And unfortunately, that also involves having to continually rebuff Elaine, who's carrying a bit of a torch for him. But of course, he's more interested in Jenny all this time. But Jenny doesn't want anything to do with Stephen. So Stephen realises there's going to be CCTV footage of him killing Teddy. So he sneaks into the factory, deletes it, and Carla thinks that he's secretly helping out Sarah and Michael. And remember you said earlier that Sarah had quit Underworld or she'd been fired, I can't remember. Um, So the fact that they were there when they shouldn't be, Carla thinks, well... Stephen's just helping out his niece by deleting the footage when actually he's covering up the fact that he's been doing a bit of murdering. So Carla at this point starts treating treating Stephen like absolute dirt in the factory. Like she makes him work with packing. Do you remember he had a few little scenes working with Kirk? Completely... um, made to feel like nothing and he was you know he'd been this huge businessman he'd been in charge of these 
multinational companies and here he is stacking boxes with Kirk. How it demeaning really was, is that? Yeah. And like Very you bad. think, oh my god. I think going into um twenty twenty three there were rumours going around I think maybe even Ian McLeod had hinted, oh, Carla's going to wish that she hadn't pushed Stephen's buttons. And there was definitely the theory that Carla is going to be Stephen's next victim. Um, obviously, that never came to pass. But do you, do you think that How could have been a... How realistic was that ever? There's I no way. I mean, you know, like, all I say that it's good for a producer to boot people out. There's also the, being sensible about it and realising that... Uh, unless I think she's a keeper, isn't unless she? Unless Ali King, King wanted to leave, you do not kill off Carla Connor. I, I was I was wondering for a little bit whether it was going to go there, but um, obviously it's the drugs that is uh, his it's method of attack drugs. on Carla. So um, anyway, this is when Rufus Donahue shows up on the scene speaking of drugs so he's this big cockney investor who's invests in the nipper snapper business which by the way carla has now decided belongs to her because the idea came to michael for it when he was working at underworld but then he pulls out so carla says right Stephen, you need to go and find rufus and sweet talk him back we need his cash so he goes along to uh, rufus's hotel room finds out that he's a bit of a drug taker on the sly what was it that he had he had a bit of LSD. He had a massive... Didn't he have a big briefcase just full of drugs? Yeah, what was it that he had a heart attack out of? Was it cocaine or something? That I don't was, know, but... He was doing in the back I can't room, remember but anyway. His, is it Lou, his wife? Yeah. She definitely has a very rosy view of his drug taking, as though it was just some kind of, like, me, like a memory aid, mm. or, like, take it having ginseng or something. No, he, he was definitely was, he was really going at he he wasn't he yeah it wasn't a casual. Well, the fact thing, that when it? Stephen went round there, Rufus had a heart attack brought on by the drugs. Yes. Then that wasn't anything to do with him. No. Um. And and this is when and the, he was also he's, cheated he's, on his he's, wife. Yeah, he's got this call girl that's coming yes. around, which is perfect for Stephen because he gets to blackmail Rufus and say, oh, "I'm going to tell your wife that you've been employing the company of um, ladies of the night, um, negotiable women." If, yeah, exactly. Um. So, unless you come back to Nipper Snapper. So he also, this is when Stephen takes the opportunity to steal a couple of vials of Rufus's LSD because you never know when stuff like that could come in handy. Right, Stephen's next plan of attack is to get rid of Carla because he still wants to be Mr Big at the factory, something. Really, it's still really interesting looking back, the fact that he was saying to Jenny at the end, oh, I just wanted my mum's approval and... Did, did he did, did he want his mum's approval or did he just want a comfortable, rich and wealthy lifestyle? At I, this point, it's difficult to know what he's getting the money for because he's given Gabrielle her share and now he's kind of left with nothing. I don't know if he had a... a I'm assuming... I kind of lose track of it. I know, I'm not that interested the in the is, business stories. Okay. Of Corey, so I... If you've got to the stage where you are your wife... £200,000 because you've stolen it from her. I'm going to assume that you've taken it out of your pension. You don't have a house or properties or a portfolio of stocks and shares or an ISA or any of the things that you should have by the time you're in your 60s and you're thinking about retirement. So he's kind of staring down the barrel of the yeah, rest of his life thinking, I've got nothing to show for all of my work. And and that's the motivation. You can tell why he kind of loses temper and get a bit frustrated. I know, but this is the thing. It was missing a confidant or, or you know... 
Michael an was the monologue. kind of closer. Yeah, I mean, but, but he never knew. I mean, no, I know, I know. Yeah, don't give saying, him a cloud idea. We've said this here. before, though, haven't we? About sometimes characters, you don't know. They're kind of confusing and difficult to read because you don't get to hear their inner thoughts. Mm. And so, in a soap way, his motivations were kind of murky. But if you really think of him as a real person, which obviously he's not. His his, his very make makes sense. complete sense that you know his age and his with his means mm. and he you know he, he he's homeless. Yeah, yeah. So um, Stephen decides that he's going to start drugging Carla to try and get her out of the factory. And um, after one one dose of LSD too many and accidentally hitting Paul with an underworld van, Carla decides to take a step back from leading the factory, but. Then when she finds out that Stephen is trying to engineer a bit of a coup in the factory, he he does a couple of um, votes of no confidence, doesn't he? And in the first one, Faye's the one that calls Carla back and says, watch out, Stephen's trying to steal Underworld from under you, basically. Carla comes back, says, you're fired, Stephen. But Stephen, luckily for him, says, well, Rufus only is going to deal with me, so you need to hire me. So she does. Yeah. But they are really... They're at loggerheads from this point onwards, really, aren't they? They're, yeah. they're working together, but she does not trust him one iota. I'd like to say that Carla's a formidable enemy to have, but really she was not involved at all in his downfall. She didn't help. No, she was more it's, of a victim in this story, wasn't she? Which is really sad. To, well, I su- suppose that her involvement in the downfall was finding out that she had LSD in her hair. I guess so, but that... J- Honestly, this does feel like a bit of a throwback to the olden days of of fiction where a woman could only do things through through a man. And it really is the case that Carla's Carla's agency was taken away by Peter deciding what what to, what was to be done with Stephen and inevitably bumping him off. Mm. You know, Carla's Carla again. This storyline is kind of like what happened to her when she had her psychosis. I really feel like Carla has been diminished by quite a lot of the storylines that she's been involved in in Coronation Street over the past five years. Mm. She should have been centre stage. It shouldn't have been Tim. It should have been Carla that was really instrumental in bringing Stephen to justice. Yeah. and But hey, it's done now. Yeah. Um, so we, we, we see Stephen pay Elaine back with the Donahue money. They agree to buy a penthouse flat together just with friends at this point. Elaine's obviously delighted by this because she's friends, yeah. she she is very sweet on Stephen. She's besotted. And then we get what was probably one of my favourite Stephen episodes, which is the one where he really accidentally brilliant. drugs himself with LSD. And I didn't know this was going to happen. But the scene in the factory where Stephen's jugging up the tea as normal and then he realises that he's taken <laughs> the wrong tea. The look on his face and you're like, oh, he's, I know what's going to happen now. Amazing. He's going to get a taste of his own medicine. And you get Todd this. Todd Boyce knew exactly what he was doing. This is the yeah. thing that gets me. He knew exactly what he was doing with these scenes. It was just exactly what was needed. Yeah. It was playing it for, for laughs and just well, there was a bit of, out of control craziness. It was it, it acknowledged the campiness and it, you know, it. but there was definitely a nightmarish quality to quite a lot of the stuff that had Stephen in it. Mm. There, was a, there was a hint of, of humour and, and that, that element of camp. But there was also a very scary undertone to, to most of it. Mm. And he I think he just walked a tightrope perfectly for me. For me. Yeah. yeah. So so this episode, he's there, he's on the stage doing I think it was one of the nipper snapper presentations mm-hmm. and then 
he starts sweating and then you look over at Sarah and her face is melting. Then he's looking out into the crowd and everybody is either Teddy or, or um, Leo yeah, looking at her, which was brilliant. Yeah, the outfits of the people he that He kind of goes inhabited. back to the hotel room, the wall, the pictures on the wall start morphing into <laughs> Leo. It. Leo appears there. It was, you know, say I, I, I am quite critical of Ian McLeod's massive overuse of experimental editing but for this it was absolutely perfectly done i really really loved it and then the uh, the climax of that episode is elaine showing up to come and help out stephen and him accidentally accepting or does he propose to her or does he just he accept her proposal of marriage i can't even remember so his, his the outcome of this bad trip he is is he is now engaged um, engaged to elaine and he's like saying all right let, let's keep it secret we don't want anybody to know for now you know what should have happened what he should have married Elaine and then he should have gone to Tim and said, Tim, I'm your dad and then spanked him. <laughs> Keep him in line. Um, so Rufus, meanwhile, is on a bit of marital strife of his own. His wife has left him. Um, so when he recognised... So so the blackmail that Stephen had over him, you've got call girls coming from you, doesn't matter anymore. So he starts He's doubling down on getting back at Stephen because yeah. he recognises signs of LSD use in Carla puts two and two together and then says Stephen <laughs> you've been drugging out Carla haven't you well with that information me old China I would like to have a larger share of nipper snapper profits please and there's nothing you can do about it otherwise I will make sure everybody knows exactly what you've been getting up to Stephen meanwhile is causing a fire in Carla's flat to try and get her you know just to show how crazy she is she gets herself sectioned. Stephen takes control of Underworld. She doesn't get herself sectioned. What? She... We, we say that she was sectioned. She was sectioned, yes. Stephen gets her sectioned, sorry. Um, and, and there was a great scene of Stephen sitting at the factory desk in Underworld going, yeah, I'm the boss now. And he gets this uh, no, vote of no confidence in Carla. So everything is... Apart from the fact that Rufus is pressuring him a little bit, things are going Stephen's way it's only as, we April. Get, as we get into March, April sort of time. Um, Stephen lies to Elaine at this point that Gabrielle's been defrauding him and he can't put any money into buying this Red Bank flat. So she's like, fine, I'm gonna, I'll buy the whole thing, not a problem. Rufus, um, who is finding Stephen well, incredibly dodgy, decides that he's going to offer Michael a job in London. And Michael is um, has been Stephen's little underling and prodigy for yeah. the last few months, hasn't he? And um, I can't remember what Stephen does to Michael to make him want to go with Rufus. But I remember Michael saying, well, screw you, Stephen, then. But um, then when Rufus demands 50% of Nipper Snapper's profits from Stephen, Stephen murders him in the swimming pool. Which was a brilliant scene as well. To a banging Definite. soundtrack. That was Stephen's best kill. That was the best. That by was quite a wide margin. There were two big peaks for Stephen, and I would say the LSD and Nipper Snapper um, presentation was one of them. Yeah, those are the two best Stephen scenes. And honestly, for sure. I, I can see how it would annoy you if you don't like the storyline, but. It, this was one of those moments where you've just got to go on f along for the ride because it really was just an incredibly... Um, it was like... It, do you know what it reminds me of? That episode of Red Dwarf where you get, you get the Arnold Rimmer song at the end. Yeah. It was like... It's a roller coaster of just absolute mental... Nuttiness. Yeah. Uh, and I, I enjoyed it. 
we thought it was so so good. Yeah, the the, 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 the way scene that where he, the, he drowns the that, him in the, the way that it was all plotted. Like we find out that Rufus is dead first, don't we? And then you get the flashback at the end of the next episode to show yes, it was Stephen, and this is how he's doing it, and he's narrating over the top of this is how you be a good businessman, Michael, yeah. and it all ties into what we're seeing on screen with the murder. I and, adore and Michael's that. That just lapping peak, it up. That was peak Stephen. Though. Yeah, and and so so Stephen gives. Uh, Rufus a massive dose of LSD in his drink and then he becomes overpowered and he drowns uh, and Stephen yeah. forces him so under no the water. So no longer a problem. But along next come Owen and... I think Owen the people and... that don't like the storyline are just jealous that they can't drown their <laughs> enemies in a swimming <laughs> So we have Owen and Angelique now and this to me was a bit of a weak point of the story. It was more business. It was never going to be as exciting as drowning your rival in a swimming pool. Um, oh, I never really took to these characters who were this who worked for this American company who, for whatever we reason, never see. what we never see this company. No, Why were they American? Don't know. They want to they want to sell nipper snapper abroad. It, at this point, to me, got just beyond beyond the realms of credibility that this tiny little idea for a Michael that really was. Very unimpressive. And just just to and, reiterate, the whole concept of Nipper Snapper was that it was hit like chi- adults and child T-shirts along the lines of "I'm with stupid" and "I'm stupid," and that was about as deep as it ever got. And I'm just going to say that idea originated in America. So how could you sell it back to them? <laughs> you know, sometimes the little ideas—you never know what's going to going to make a splash. But I, I found that. I, I, I didn't really get on with that I, I and, I, and, I, and to, I just found Owen and Angelique fairly dull I don't want to be rude about Owen but he was he, he just felt like a Teddy replacement yeah I think he did what he was supposed to do but uh, you know well even the fact that Teddy uh, sorry that Owen was was wooing Jenny for a bit wasn't he which yeah. was much to, to Stephen's annoyance similar. because yeah yeah they were visually very similar Owen didn't really have a personality he, he chopped and changed there was a bit where he turned into an absolute dickhead at the end for no reason at all. Um, yeah. He just felt like a really unfleshed out character. Mm. Yeah, there was a point where Stephen tells Jenny, oh, Owen, he's a massive slime ball. You don't want to be going out for him. So that kind of kicked the story down the road a little bit longer. But yeah, not not so much into that. Um, I was, I did quite enjoy the stuff with Elaine and uh, and everything because she was so head over heels in love with Stephen and had no idea what he was getting up to. Stephen's got like some kind of pheromones or something because he had the same effect on Jenny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. Do you I mean, think he's just got I, really I was, good aftershave. I was saying earlier that he's lost the the, the powers of uh, making women no, fall hasn't. at his feet from the nineties. But maybe you know, if you look at Elaine and Jenny, maybe maybe he has. Is it the Lynx effect? Yeah, it must be. <laughs> Um, so anyway, Tim gets involved here. Um, he, he's been fairly uh, out of the story up until this point, but Tim starts to get a bit suspicious about Stephen's intentions here. With the, what are you doing hanging around See, my mum? I think the engagement comes out now. Oh yeah, is, Elaine accidentally tells Tim about the engagement, doesn't she? This is logical from the perspective of the fact that Tim is Elaine's son and, and he's protective of her. But I, I still don't really understand the logic behind introducing a major character like Tim at this point of the proceedings after he's already killed everyone he's going to kill. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Um, when there are already major characters involved in this storyline who would have been 
far better positioned to have brought Stephen down than Tim. It makes sense that as Elaine's son, Tim would be involved somehow. I know, but why Why make Tim the central character when Carla was there all along? Mm, Carla yeah, they... really could have been redeemed with this storyline. Yeah, well, I it mean, could have been Peter, couldn't it? I, mean, I suppose Peter was the one that killed him in the end. T- but... the behind the scenes stuff, you don't know... Ali King could have said, I'd, you know, oh, I've got a holiday booked. <laughs> you don't really know what why any of this happens. It, there are so many moving parts and scheduling things and practical stuff that happens that means that something happened in a certain way. But just on paper, without any of those hang-ups, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me that Tim comes in at, you know, the last moment to become the hero of the story. And it's not just me being a Tim Hater. I quite enjoyed the... I quite enjoyed it, though. I felt like it was another early case of Cory teasing us and then saying, nah, nothing's going to happen. The whole angle of, is Stephen going to kill Elaine? Because he takes out this life insurance policy, doesn't he? Joint life insurance policy forges her signature and everything. Um, but then... Stephen tries to bump her off by swapping out her blood pressure pills, but she does, she doesn't die. And I thought that <laughs> that's just that, Elaine's. Can I just say that's Elaine's story from the beginning of her she appearance doesn't on the show. Die. And Elaine doesn't die. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, around this time, this is when Owen was showing an interest in buying the factory, and I think it was a case of no, Owen's not going to be the factory boss, is, is it? It felt like it was so, some elements of this were just, well, we need to have something in the Stephen storyline at the moment, let's, and let's put Owen in it. This definitely, for you know, if you're going to argue that you, d- you are glad that Stephen's storyline ended when it was, when it did, didn't need another six months, you would definitely flag this up as a weak point of the story and say, mm. did you. Gemma and Michael, did you really want another six months of Stephen sets up a, a company that's fake as a front so that Owen will get lured into... Like, no, I didn't. Oh, yeah, he does I a don't, seagull company, I don't, he? You're right. I don't want more of that. <laughs> oh. Owen leaving also felt a bit weird because wasn't that when the um, we had the Canada Day and Stephen looks like maybe he's about to bump off Owen, but possibly I can't remember... Um, and but but Audrey and Elaine and Sally maybe surprise him with oh it's Canada Day and Owen says this is really weird I want to pull out of the factory yeah. it's like well what was the point of Why you then? even being in the show at all. at all Owen so anyway Owen's off um, and uh, then, then we have the thing about this you, you mentioned the fake company that Stephen had um, created Seagull Limited to um, what was he even doing that? Well, for? he was using that as a front to take money from Underworld oh, so yeah, he could yeah, use yeah, course, it right. to pay off the Elaine's life insurance because yes, 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 it's like four hundred and fifty pound right. a month or something. So he yeah. needed to make out that Seagull was a consultancy firm that Underworld was paying monthly, and so he gets um, Gabrielle to pose as oh, this Seagull yeah, consultant. Right. Yeah, but Elaine finds out that this actually is Gabrielle because she sees a photo of her. Um, and th- this was getting quite exciting as well because Stephen's forging a suicide note. I, d- I really did enjoy the yeah, teasing was... of is he gonna kill Elaine? Yeah. And there was a, and and then when um, doesn't Elaine find the note? I think um, he's about, and then he realizes, yeah, no, he he realizes that the life insurance that he's taken out doesn't kick in if 
the, her death is ruled as suicide, so he ends up arranging to take her to the but, Peak District and bump her off. I was so excited about this, and although it didn't go quite the way that I was expecting it was going to go with a bit of lovely location shooting in the Peak District, um, it was quite fun to have the confrontation between Tim and Stephen, and then Tim... Is it Tim bashes Stephen's head on the banister and then Tim's bleeding out and going to hospital and everything? Well, that hang was kind on. of fun. Yeah, this is when... This is when... Um... Uh, what's her name? Gabrielle. Elaine. Elaine. This is when Elaine and and Tim realise that she's in mortal de- danger. Yeah. And so Tim confronts him and it turns out that, that Stephen gets kind of the upper hand in the end because he he's got blood on his face and it looks as though Tim's going to get in trouble for attacking yeah, him. Yeah, sorry, is that, yeah, I missed that. Yeah, you're right, you're right. That that was all quite exciting, I found. Then Stephen kind of... I can't believe of... we spent so long on, on Stephen's early days only to get to this point and kind of... It's not really quite complicated him. stuff, I know. I mean, maybe we're rushing through this, but maybe yeah. you'll forgive us because it's not been long Stephen since you watched it. Stephen ends up in hospital it. and he pretends to give, forgive Tim, but Elaine's like, no way, I don't, I, this is all too fishy for me. I'm going to go live in Scarborough. But don't worry, I'll be back. She's like, I've heard they're filming a Jimmy Savile documentary in Scarborough. I'm going to go there and see if we can get a part in that. Um, so, Stephen gets involved with Spoiler, Sarah's... she doesn't. She doesn't. Stephen gets involved in Sarah's storyline for a bit as well, doesn't she? Because she, she and Adam are having a bit of a rocky time. Um, he ends up forging her DNA test results letter to make it look like Adam was the father of her unborn child Sarah finds out that he's done this and realises oh Stephen you can, you can be a bit of a dodgy geezer really can't you I'm not sure what Stephen's end game was here other than to make Sarah indebted to him I'm not sure I don't know but it was a bit of a stretch there's a lot of there's a lot of um hand-waving around Stephen's more bizarre choices under the guise of he's just making up as he goes along, which I guess makes sense in a way, but also the writers shouldn't just be making it up as I'm they sure go they along. I'm sure they weren't. It, sometimes it, it felt like It feel they... like we didn't know always why Stephen was doing something and he didn't have any plans. Like, mm. he didn't really have any long-term plans. No, but that, that fits the character, I think. He was never... He wasn't a... a seri- he wasn't a killer... That, that with a plan with a plan he just was bumbling from one murder to the next he's definitely yeah. more John State than Pat Phelan yeah I mean I'm just saying that that's a criticism I've seen of Stephen's story which I can I can totally get behind and understand mm. yeah and the same with what like we were saying earlier about something seeming important and then turns out they're not because it was around this time when the tie pin um, appears again so I, we, I, we didn't really mention it earlier but when Stephen um, kills Rufus he accidentally drops a tie pin in there and you had to be really vigilant as a viewer to realise this. And we, we for months were saying, oh, when's this tie pin going to come out? And and it does because Lou Rufus's widow appears on the scene for a few weeks and says, I found this tie pin. I, I, I think that there was foul play here. And I was like, oh, finally, this is going to be the moment. But in the end, Stephen just kind of steals it away from her, drops it down the drain and literally... Never seen again. That's it. So it was something that was used as, to, as a bit of excitement and cliffhanger material for a while. But ultimately, not really... It wasn't really important for the way that the story went. So he, he lives to to hound people another day. So this is when he starts getting closer to Jenny again at last. And this is what I was hoping to see. And I, I wish they'd done more of this because I really wanted Stephen to 
to set up home with Jenny and be the landlord of the Rovers' return just for a little bit, you know, to have a murderer as landlord with the Rovers. You wove such a, a lot convincing of fantasy that I was there but, with you. But the Rovers was too busy being closed down at this point, so they never really got a chance for that. Um, Sarah, meanwhile, how, are we we've nearly, also we're got the there. LSD thing with with um, with Carla putting together the fact that oh yes, um, that the Rufus had an LSD overdose. Lou's convinced that he never would have taken that much. Carla starts to research what LSD symptoms are and realizes the psychosis that she experienced earlier in the year wasn't necessarily down to her mental issues that already existed, but could have been an exterior force um, drugging her. So she sends a hair sample out to see if she can get tested. Yeah, that to me was another weak-ish element of the story because the only reason that she thought of that was because somebody happened to mention to her, didn't they, that, oh, when, you, when you're when you on LSD, I think it was Lou said, oh, when you're LSD, you, f- you feel X, Y, and Z. And Carla goes, hang on a minute. I I'd have that. rather she'd have done a little bit of clever... Um, investigating herself rather than the answer landing itself in her lap but oh well what are you going to do so So, so Sarah's finding out about Stephen and the equity release um, because Audrey's getting all these letters and everyone's saying oh it's just spam but Sarah realises that actually it's Stephen that's done this and he promises he's going to give her the money back yeah so Sarah, Sarah, this is just building up Sarah mistrusting him even more. And as we get closer to the end game here, you've got lots of people. You've got Sarah, you've got Peter, you've got Tim, you've got Carla. Lots and lots of people being incredibly suspicious of him, which leads the viewers to think, who's, who's going to get killed off? Who's he going to bump off? Who's who's going to be the one that falls foul of Stephen at the end? This and is I... the unfortunate problem with this storyline because it just felt that a lot of characters were only there to tease us with mm. the idea that they might get bumped off, but nobody did. No, I mean, the final week was exactly that, wasn't it? It was like, oh, has he killed someone? Has he killed Audrey? No. No, she's in the salon. Oh, has he killed Sarah? No. No, she's absolutely fine, despite being whacked on the head. Yeah. Anyway, so um, Stephen and Jenny are getting closer. They go to Paris for a little bit. Um, Don't forget but, Elaine and, and Stephen have broken up at this point and Elaine's trying to sell the Red Bank flat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they get back from Paris, this is when they discover that Leo's body has been uncovered at the building the site, a very green-handed Leo. Um, and Stephen realises, I'm, I'm in not. Trouble. I, I'm in trouble. I'm going to go and have a poke at the canal where I put Teddy, but really I need to be out of this country and across the other side of the world. This is when his plan to go to Thailand really... Um, steps up and steps off a notch. As Stephen's poking the body in the canal and he doesn't realise he's been followed by Tim who coincidentally happens to just be in the exact same area as Mm. his arch nemesis to see him poke a skeleton hand and he also tips Stephen off to the fact that he's watching him by having a stupid ringtone which was put on there by Steve Steve. McDonald. Yeah. Is this revenge for him taking over his t-shirt business all those years ago? Maybe it is. I'm just going to leave that with you, listener. (laughs) Um, yeah, there were just a few bits towards the end where I thought, oh, that we're supposed to say, okay, that happens by coincidence. So that, so Jenny and um, Stephen are planning to go to Thailand and it's re- Carla finds out about this and tips her off. She starts to piece things together and realise when Stephen says, we should get a joint account, that maybe he's going to also steal from her too. Yes. And then we get our final week, don't we? Stephen on the run. 
cancels um, Jenny's plane ticket because he needs to go off there to Thailand by himself. But sadly for him, Jenny's already clocked that he's a dodgy geezer and steals his passport. Stephen returns to the street. Has a bit of a fracas with Jenny and Sarah. He bludgeons Tim and suffocates him. Sticks oh, him yeah, in the back of a, a cab. As well, sticks it he? at the sticks it in the woods. Tell goes to the goes to the, a different airport to the one that Swain goes to, Liverpool. Um, when he tries to buy his ticket, he doesn't have a passport. Comes back to try and get it. Jenny's the one that's hidden it. He confronts her, takes her hostage with a with a glass. Um, bottle and they end up in Rosamond Street. He's he's still holding her and we know now we've been uh, a week after his death. Jenny's confessed that Stephen told her before he was killed he didn't intend to ever hurt her. He's dropped the bottle and Peter Barlow who all that week was talking to Carla on the phone while driving around drives into him and kills him and then Audrey's on the floor going it's Stephen! No! Peter Barlow is evil! I wish we'd seen more of Audrey throughout this story. They could have had less business finances, dull stuff with Owen. More plats. And, 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 and more plats. That's something that's really... Even Gail appeared for the, for the final week because she kind of had to and she's done a few things since. But considering that, you know, for such a long-term character, being this the half-sister of this mega serial killer... You just didn't get to see enough of her, really, did we? It was all about the factory and, and not about the plats. Such well, the a world fact... away from what we were expecting when wow. when Stephen Reed was announced to come back. I know. The the, the fact is, during the final week, the, the plats were one of the biggest selling points for, for the action. They, they they were like in a big Scooby gang wandering around and David's cracking jokes and... Gail's wringing her hands and Audrey's in denial and it was that that those dynamics those characters that made quite a lot of it it humanized it and it also made it a bit more fun didn't yeah. it um so so Stephen's final week um we always knew he was going to get killed off I ha- held a small hope in my heart that they might uh learn I think honestly learn from their mistakes and and keep him around because Cory loves a villain and the fans love moaning about villains. So instead of creating new ones, why don't we just keep the ones we've already got around for longer so that the people can't moan about new villains being A returning created? villain can be really effective. Yes. I mean, look at look at Terry Duckworth. I know he's not killed anyone, but Yet. when he shows up, and he, you know, he's not going to come back now, is he? Whenever he showed up, it's like, oh, we know this guy. We know that he's going to be trouble. And we know that he's a wrong one. Another one who's not necessarily a villain, but more of an antagonist is Jim McDonald. Yeah. Yeah, there are loads of just, like good wrongins, uh, and and another one, Maya Sherman. We never actually saw if Maya she died Sherman, or not. Yeah. Sorry, no. we never saw if she died or not. She could come back as a villain because no. we didn't see her get zipped up in a body bag quite as comprehensively as we did Pat Phelan and Stephen Reed. The thing with Stephen though is that had he been arrested, it's not like they only had to wait a certain amount of time for him to be released from prison and then he could go terrorising again. If he'd have been caught, he'd have been he'd have been in prison for the rest he of his life. He would have been life. like Hannibal Lecter where you get to visit him and hear his words of wisdom. Yeah, so it wouldn't have been a case of like, oh, when's he going to get out? But they could have had a story where someone goes to prison with Stephen, like they did when Peter oh, went yeah. into prison with Jim McDonald. It's, well, it's just a real shame that they've, they've robbed us of any possible future for Stephen Reed just for the... You know, a, a Peter story that's now coming along. It, it came out of nowhere. I think I think Stephen's death just kind of being, oh, there's Peter and he's dead. 
it, it ties in quite nicely with the pacing of the whole story this year because we've just been blasting through 2023. So much happened with Stephen this year. You get some stories that are just plodding with massive giant steps from one boring beat to another and this it was just action 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 cliffhanger mystery almost a little bit too fast for its own good yes there were bits when I was really excited about the twists and, the, and everything but looking back maybe they could have slowed it down a little bit I don't know well I'm definitely going to say that uh, for all the, the the complaints we've just had and things we thought could have been done differently it's easy to say that after the whole thing's finished there are so many moving parts understand it's not as easy as it seems to create the very intricate plots when you're doing a show that's on for three hours a week with 80 characters in it yeah. all with their own storylines 2023 in Coronation Street would have been a much more boring place had this story not Absolutely. been taking place this is the story that's got people talking yes the acid story has had its moments Paul's story of course has been fantastic but I think when you look back at 2023 this is going to be the one that stands out in people's memories um for for better or worse and for for the love that it got for the hate that it got it's interesting comparing it to the feeling story because that also got a lot of hate but I think it was hate for a different reason people for that one were saying we hate this because it's too dark and I don't, and, and that's not what we got for this. No. The, the hate for this was more. Um, it's, it's a bit silly. I don't like. I don't like um, the Todd Boyce's character. Um, yeah. I, yeah. But you know, I we, we've we've always we've never been shy about saying we love the serial killers, one, so we're always going to enjoy this. One thing I will say is that we, you know we've harped on quite a lot about complaining there was no final victim in this story, but is. Peter Barlow, in fact, the final victim of of Stephen Reed because he he's mm. run him over. I think it's clear. It feels the same way. I feel the same way about this as I did with the the Amy and Aaron storyline. I feel like Coronation Street showed us what happened, and everyone saw it with their own eyes. But some people, because of their affiliation with certain characters or their they're going into the storyline with their belief system. Um, they're not seeing the same thing that I saw, even though we've both got shown the same scene. He didn't have the bottle in his hand and Jenny says he, he said he wouldn't hurt her. There was no reason for for Peter to have run him over. No. Um, so uh, Peter Barlow could end up going down for this, end what up life. going to prison. Don't know how long he would be in prison for. Um, obviously a major character. Is that the, the skull that we all hoped that he would reap before he left the show? Mm. Um, it's really interesting too because... Normally, there's not as much of an aftermath of a, of a big crow villain leaving the show as this. I think that, um, you know, Richard, it's kind of like Richard Hillman left and everyone was sad for a little bit. You know, you had he had uh, David going off the rails for a long time. That was a good story. Yeah, that was a very slow burn. Yeah. Um, you, you, you had that feeling. Yeah. And then, you know, Anna's like, well, I've, I escaped from prison to kill him and nobody tell anybody anything. No, she didn't anything. escape from prison. She well, you know what out. I mean? Like, she just turned up and stabbed him and everyone went, I didn't see anything. She went away again. Mm. But this is actually a really interesting, different approach to the end of a serial killer where the, the ending is almost... Well, it is another story. Yeah, it's, a, it's a beginning of something else. Yeah, that's whether right. Whether that's Peter's um, possible exit story, whether it's a Platt versus Barlow's thing. I, I don't know. There's definitely a lot more... Lot There's a lot to more to this, this. And, and Peter Barlow is a massive legacy character, and I've you know the the Platts and the Barlows have been two of the major families on the street for a long time, and now it feels like we're brewing a, a proper feud. I don't know how much Corey's going to develop this into something 
truly, you know, mm. Platts versus Barlow's, but it feels like it could go there. Yeah. So all in all, I would say pretty successful comeback. Definitely. That when it was announced, we were like, "What? Well, what are they bringing him back for?" Okay. Um, and, and, and where it's gone, it just goes to to show, show that that anybody can be made into an well, interesting character. Can I just say this is a this is a perfect demonstration of what I've said for a long time that Corey Corey's ta- talent pool in its actors is just immense. You there are all, there's almost nobody on the show that you you couldn't give a story to to make them centre stage that's really convincing. The same thing happened with with Ryan earlier in the year where we were saying, you know, Ryan Prescott is not being given anything to do. He's fantastic. Mm. He, he, he deserves to be centre stage. And they, they gave him a great storyline and he proved his worth. And on, and on the other side, you got... Um... You got Paul, who I was like, yes. oh, I don't really think much Another of at all. Another brilliant example. But this story has majorly t- changed my opinion. It just I think goes, he's fantastic goes to now. show that there are there's so much talent that doesn't necessarily get to be displayed because of the the sort of the treadmill that Coronation Street's on. There's six episodes a week. There's eighty people plus in the cast. There's not enough time for everyone to to get centre stage. But you know. I think we all can pinpoint a few people we think might not necessarily be able to carry an A story in a year. but <laughs> Naming no names. Naming no names. Check out our recent episode on characters who no, Stephen no, Reed should have that. killed. Not even that. I'm not going to say that's what I meant when I said those things. But um, it demonstrates the talent pool. And I'm Todd Boyce, fantastic. I'm so pleased that they've taken I'm... a very minor kind of... I would have said Stephen Reed is kind of like a trivia... Trivia, Coronation Street trivia. Yeah, did you know Gail has got a brother? Yeah, n- until he returned, he would have just been relegated to a pub quiz answer. But yeah, now he's like really the central point. character in, now. in a major storyline on Coronation Street. Makes me wonder who else they could do it to because exactly. back in episode 254 of the podcast, we did a, a bonus uh, feature on long lost family members. And actually, quite a few of the people who we mentioned there have come back now. We've had a return of Debbie. We've had... Um, Love Debbie. We, Stephen was a big one. Um, we, Ted. We, we, Ted didn't come back, but we found out what happened to him at least. Jackie, same, got killed off as well. So I'm thinking that maybe, you know, Dev's daughter Amber might be the next character to come back and, and make a bit of a splash. Yes, could, could be. Could, well, could or or be. one of one of Ken's um, son, or his, his son, or, or, or grandson. Could yeah, could be Lawrence well, and James so. Cunningham. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know. We'll see. Well, if you are... Um, missing Stephen Reed, you might want to pop along to um, Derby this Christmas because Todd will be starring in um, Mother Goose where he's going to be playing the character Demon Vanity and he thinks that's the bad guy in it. Um, I love him. I, we, we haven't actually got tickets for that, have we? Oh, God, oh, we need to buy some. Them? Because my dad does live in Derby and we really, really should go along to that. He does not that. want to go. My dad does not want to go along to this, but we'll go. Um, and then, you know, St- and then uh, Todd's going to be on stage next year as well. He's going to be... Um, He's going to be in a Laurence Olivier play, don't you know, in in Sleuth. Uh, which, now, Bill um, Kenwright was in Coronation Street. He's like the yeah. biggest success story who isn't a major acting name yeah, out played, of Coronation um, Street. Yeah, he Gordon Clegg. Yeah, he has gone on to like become a, a, a West End mogul, hasn't mm. he? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and he, offered he offered the part, part. to Todd Boys just based on his performance in Corrie. I think so, yeah, it must be. That's, I mean, what, that's what the story but, goes as. Th- this... Yes, Todd Boyce has had a huge career between Coronation Street um, 
stints, but I think that this 12 months in Coronation Street, or 12 plus months in Definitely Coronation Street, has in. given him a bit of a boost for the coming years. You can't so, be um, in a, one of the... Can't te- buy you can't be in the UK's premier soap as a major character for 12 months and it not affect your career whatsoever. Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm pleased with him. I'm pleased I absolutely love Todd Boyce. I absolutely love Stephen Reid. Well, I really he enjoyed He loved it as well. He's, he's yeah. done various exit interviews. He's been on The Rain. He's been on... I can't remember this morning. He's he did the the event last week at the Coronation Street Experience. But, yeah, um, yeah. He says I've absolutely loved playing Stephen Reed. I first played him for a year in 1996, so it's very close to my heart. It's been a joy to have this long experience with one character. And the worst part is, I think I've broken all records for the largest number of episodes in a single 12 month period. Good it job. wouldn't surprise me. Stephen has not been off our screens it's almost felt I like I don't care almost. I loved it see nobody was saying it's the Stephen Reed show in the same way that they were the Pat Phelan show true. were they no. but um, yeah he has well deserved, deserved this rest but I hope that the panto goes well for him and I, I do look forward to seeing um, what else he's got in future because yeah before if I thought Steve, if I heard that Todd Boyce would be in it I'd be like oh he was in Corey but I think now if he was <laughs> going to be in something on TV that um, I might Major. be able to watch I think oh might give that one a shot actually can, I, can we end with the quote that he gave in his final video to the fans on social media you can read this because I honestly Gemma. this kind of sums it up um, I think I think lots of character, lots of actors who've been on Corey who have experienced a, a very uh, strong fan reaction can kind of kind of sympathise with what he says mm-hmm. here because he says usually you thank the fans for loving you I thank the fans on this visit for hating me with such visceral sort of feelings I'm glad you've maybe come around to me hopefully but now that I'm gone well Maybe you could like me a little bit. Sorry for the murders. I didn't write it. <laughs> I love I, it. That was just such a really charming sweet. little yeah. video and it really just goes to show. If you hated Stephen, please don't hate Todd. He did what he was told to do and he did it with style mm. and grace and I think he was fantastic. I really I really got the impression that he he got on well with a lot of cast as well. He just seems lovely. We, we've heard very good things about him yes. from, um, from people we know on the cast and there's pictures of him online and everyone was saying, oh, Stephen, I told you've been great. And, just uh, le- he just leaned into it and I, you can't, what else can you ask yeah. for? So there we go. That's that, that is was the probably, end. Is that our longest character profile ever? It's got to be. I, it's, it's, it's probably up there. I don't know. Maybe there's been... Considering that, you know, this character has only been at less than 300 episodes, there was an awful lot to say, an awful lot to pack in today. Um, so I hope you enjoyed it and so you just, stuck with us to the bitter end of our rambling and Just like Todd Boyce had to work really hard for the last 12 months to get all the Stephen episodes in, we had to work really hard over the last two and a half hours to get all of his antics into one episode. And there's probably an awful lot more we could have said, but I, I, oh, think, for undoubtedly. Now, I think for now we'll leave it. Um, closing this chapter... And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what, what's the big what story next. To Who's going to be the big villain next? Who's going to be mad and hope. exciting stuff? Don't know. Right, goodbye, Thank everybody. You for Thank you for listening. Do share your thoughts on our social media about Good or Stephen. bad about Stephen. It's all fine Give now. Give us an email. Contact Todd on social media. He's, he's on Twitter and he's on Instagram. He, yeah. He's great. I, I loved the early, like earlier this year, Todd Boy suddenly sprang to life on his Instagram, didn't he? And he's got loads of posts there now. So um, that's great. He's, he'll still be there for us, even he'll though he won't have be on Coronation A place Street. in my heart alongside Pat Phelan for, for villains that we've covered on the show. Yeah, yes, yes. Right. Farewell, everybody. Bye. The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. <laughs>